Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com and I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me as always is Benno, aka the gatekeeping dillweed virgin of Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Benno, it's been a, been a pretty rough month since the last time we spoke. Wow, unbelievable, can't believe, what an intro. Um, <laughs> I'll take it, because I earned it, but you know, <laughs> yeah, all good, I can't believe uh, yeah, the uh, the... The big uh, apparently there's a big uh, WWE kind of fan base on on Twitter that uh, that weren't happy with me. Uh, my tweets about uh, Ben Carter signing with WWE and not AEW. I got called, called all kinds of names. You just listed off uh, some of them there. Um, so yeah, I've had a, a quiet month since that. Really, uh, just trying to keep myself out of trouble. Because uh, yeah, that's the worst thing in the world you can do. But I learned that this month. Don't. Don't get yourself in the middle of uh, AEW fan versus WWE fan Twitter because, yeah, it does not end well. Uh, and, yeah, that was probably the uh, the nicest uh, of the names I got called this month. I know, it was crazy. I mean, as much as I was chuckling about it, I mean, just the amount of vitriol you were getting was just, uh, I mean, it was quote tweet after quote tweet. It was. Uh, I felt quite <laughs> sorry for you at one point. Oh, thanks, mate. I enjoyed it, to be honest. It was quite funny, uh, yeah, shooting back at them all. Uh, for some reason, people really thought that I, I wanted to take food off uh, off poor Ben Carter's table. Um, <laughs> but you know, I should be used to these shit songs. I got plenty of me and Will Cooling did did a, did a podcast this month where we unearthed the uh, the topic of is Brit Res dead or not. So that caused uh, plenty of trouble as well. So yeah, I'm hoping for a for a quieter November. I think. <laughs> and uh, it's not just me and you this week. Also joining us uh, from BackBodyDrop.com and Four One One Mania, and also must be now the uh, Guinness World Record holder for most hours of NXT UK watched is um, Ian Hamilton. Ian, thanks for joining us this month. All right, lads. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, someone's got to watch it, I guess. Oh God, I'm going to get the tweets now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for uh, taking the time to join us because obviously. We're uh, we're all back in uh, lockdown too, as people are calling it, over uh, England until the second of December. But you know, good news, maybe this uh, vaccine on the horizon. And uh, I mean, Ian, me and Benno have, have chatted quite a bit about how we've been coping with uh, lockdown and things like that. How's how's things been for you? Uh, I mean, for us, not been too bad. I mean, I mean, obviously live uh, down like down south London area. Uh, both my parents still live up in the northeast of England, so we've been able to see them maybe twice since lockdown started, which um, it's not ideal, but you know, it's the kind of thing you know, I guess you, you sign up for when you move to the end of the country. Um, yeah, keep them going. We've kept healthy, which is about all you can ask for, really, and so far, knock on wood. No, we've not had any reason to shove a cotton bud about our nose yet, so not long may that continue. Yeah, it's been a tough one, hasn't it, Benno? That's the main thing, I suppose, not being able to go out and see your family and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we should probably all be maybe used to it by now. Uh, it's kind of become normal life, hasn't it? But yeah, that was for me. Like uh, this is after after what six, seven months of lockdown. I'm finally working from home this week, uh, so I've got work of kitted me out with a laptop. I'm, I'm probably it's probably a good thing it didn't happen during G1 season. Because uh, I think that would have been a dangerous, dangerous combo. But yeah, right now I'm just trying to navigate that. I feel like my uh, my work day and my uh, and my off time just kind of 
blends together now. Uh, when I'm finished, I'm kind of watching all my favourite podcasts and stuff in the day while I'm working, obviously, um, and watching important <laughs> things like uh, like NXT UK for this very podcast. Uh, actually, wish I was working rather than doing that, but um, they gave us one great match, so we can talk about that later. Uh, but yeah, I find it kind of weird to, to to be in that situation now after after being out in the wild um, all these months to to finally be a be hidden away at home. But you know, I'm doing okay so far. I've uh, only had the two mcdonald's breakfast so far uh i think that's pretty good tried to i tried to go to greg's to get a festive bake today on, on a little walk on my lunch and uh, they were actually closed so that was probably a good thing that was probably a, a sign from the gods so i'm trying to uh, get out a little bit do a little bit of exercise do a bit of running to uh, to keep myself going um but other than that yeah just a uh, hold up at home and uh yeah only uh, really speaking to people via uh, podcasts and uh and, and similar uh, video chats at the moment it is it feels a bit feels a bit retro it feels a bit like we've gone back in time yeah i mean uh, yeah can't beat a festive bake i'm looking forward to getting one of them myself <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, I had two weeks off work since we last spoke. Uh, it was supposed to be my big holiday to Japan, obviously that never happened. Um, but it was weird because it was before, just before we went into the tiered system, and um, so I managed to head down to Oxford to uh, hang out with Joe Lemon. No, no JP pretended to have a, a COVID test or something for the whole weekend. I'm only joking, <laughs> obviously. He's very serious. I'm glad he's glad there was nothing happening with him. But. Um, yeah, great to see Joe again. Then when we were driving back up here, it, they announced that sort of like Sheffield and I think South Yorkshire was going into tier mm. two. And then when they were going camping for a week, which was a lot of fun, and then driving back for that, it was like, oh, everyone pretty much in the north going into tier three. So, yeah, I had a good mm. two two weeks holiday. Obviously, nothing's going to be going to Japan again. But, yeah, pretty fun, you know, doing this quote-unquote staycation and, and sort of like going to places in England. And I've been to Oxford before, so... You know, as well as hanging out with uh, Joe and Lucy, it was great to sort of like see the sights of Oxford and things like that. So we weren't allowed to go in any of the colleges, but we had a, a nice little tour around <laughs> seeing all the sort of like old buildings and things like that. So, yeah, it was a, a lot of fun. And then, um, well, I suppose it's it's going to be an interesting Christmas for us all, isn't it? I mean, what do you think they're going to do? Are they going to be like, oh, fuck it, let's just open everything up, get everyone out spending money and then do another lockdown in January or hope for this sort of like miracle sort of like vaccine that they keep laughing on about on the news? I mean, Ian, do you, do you, do you foresee that um, we'll have a lot more freedoms coming in December? Um, so, so on the news tonight, they were kind of hinting with, I forget which team number it was, we've changed them so much in the last few months. We were hinting at something like, um, you know, all the shops would open up. We would not be able to mix up of households unless in public. So, I guess tier two point five or something like that. I get the feeling they're going to try and, you know, have not not cancel Christmas, but, you no, know, I think they're going to see, you know, how the numbers are going to go. I mean, I think today it's the highest we've been ever for one day, like thirty three thousand cases, which. Know, quite frankly, is scary. You know, when you see you know, we've been in lockdown for just a week today now. Um, if the numbers don't go down, we stay that high the next few weeks. I can see them maybe saying, you know, Christmas weekend you can meet up and then back to lockdown." But yeah, it's not a decision I want to make. Yeah, it all seems to be about Christmas right now, doesn't it? Because we all had that little moment of freedom, didn't we, for a couple of months where we had eat out to take out part one and. There was all kinds of, uh, you know, encouragement from the government to try and get people back to work and the like. And then we found ourselves in lockdown again. So I'd like to say we've learned our lesson. But, yeah, this, like you said, very in the news stories today. And the, I've seen, you know, this rumour of uh, another eat out to take out uh, oh, idea. I was thinking about you when I saw that, Ben. <laughs> oh. 
I know it's so tempting. Uh, half price food that you, you you're always going to get Can't me, uh, <laughs> especially around Christmas time as well. But yeah, yeah it's uh, it's hard to say because we, we've you know similar to what you were saying there, Mark with Sheffield. Like I was hoping to make a trip down to Oxford at one point as well, but just wasn't happening. With you know Liverpool got put in tier three, and we're like the we're like the guinea pigs right now. We've got a mm. testing. There's about 12 testing stations within about five minutes walk from my house. Uh, manned by the army, which is a little bit concerning when I, when I walk past with my festive bait. But it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, uh, it, it, it's reassuring in that way too, that maybe we can up in Liverpool be the other guinea pigs for a quicker test. And I've not had a, another test yet, but I'm probably going to go tomorrow or Monday. And I believe you get the results in about 30 minutes. So, mm. you know, if we've got that... That'll be good. That might mean you know things might be able to open up again. Maybe Liverpool won't be won't be tier three at the end of this mini lockdown, and maybe yeah, you're right. That 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 talk of a potential vaccine uh, has got us all a little bit hopeful, hasn't it? And hoping we can you know maybe in the in the new year turn things around a little bit, and and hopefully even have a, a little bit of a Christmas as well. But who knows with this thing? I'm just uh, trying not to get too hopeful at this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it's. It's, it's obviously been tough for everybody, and um, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out in the next few weeks. But obviously, um, lots has been going on this month, um, lots in sort of like uh, European wrestling, but um, I thought we'd get started with something I don't think any of us foresaw happening this year, um, and that's uh, a potential match of the year contender from uh, NXT UK, of course, uh, Walter V. Ilya Dragunov uh, from the other week. Um, it's funny for me because I, I didn't get chance to watch this until a few days after everyone else, and you know, and boy, did it ever live up to the hype! I was worried that oh, I've heard so much hype around this match, it's not going to live up to it. But um, I really felt that the no crowd being there made this even better. I mean, every wince-inducing chop and lariat it was really amplified with no crowd to drown it out. You know, no silly chants or songs, just brutal action. I mean, I know Ilya and Walter have had cracking matches wherever they faced off, but. This just hit another level for me. I mean, pure brutality from start to finish, Benno. Oh, yeah, that's it. And, you know, regular listeners to this will know how much it hurts us, Martin, to, uh, <laughs> to do this. But I was the same way. I didn't watch the match for a couple of days. Saw all the hype coming through on Twitter. It was like, oh, can I tweet some crow here? We weren't long off our last episode, but we pretty yeah. much, I think we, I pretty much eviscerated NXT UK. And now I'm going to have to go out and give them five stars for a match. I almost didn't believe it. And I've seen a lot of that around. A lot of people going, I can't be that good. Or maybe trying to, to kid themselves without seeing the things and thing. And yeah, it's up there. It's gonna be it's gonna be in my top ten matches of the year at the end of the year. Um I was a coward and didn't give it the full five stars, but I gave it four point seven five on grapple. So maybe that's my NXT UK bias showing. Um but yeah, this was special. It was a it was a really special match that felt it didn't just feel un NXT like it wasn't belonging on NXT UK. It felt like it didn't belong on WWE TV. Full stop. Uh, like you said, the brutality. When is the last time we saw a match this brutal in WWE, if ever? Um, and that's what made this so different. And yeah, combine that with the the pace of the thing, the just the the level of work that, that these two were doing. You said there, Martin, that you know there was the silence in a way enhanced it. And I had that same take. I think there's. There's negatives to maybe not having a crowd there, you know, going molten for, for some of the big stop spots in the match. But I think the positive you get without that crowd is that, you know, like you said, you can hear everything. And also there's no real stopping for a crowd reaction. It's just work. Yeah. And that's what this was. It was the work side of it was, 
just the pace of it. it, it they did they did not stop moving at any point. Every hole was fought for. Every moment, Ilya or Walter was doing something, even when they were doing nothing. Uh, and that's what was so beautiful about it. It was just, it was beautiful violence, and it felt like it felt real. Nothing in the match felt like a. It didn't look like anyone was, you know, cooperating to do a wrestling move. It just felt like, well, in that particular moment, that was the throw Walter could do, or that was the last gasp torpedo Moscow that that, that Ilya could do. It didn't feel like wrestling. It just felt like an organic fight. And yeah, the fact that we're saying this about NXT UK is, uh, you know, the, the irony isn't lost on us, but yeah, it was utterly incredible and you know as good probably better than any other empty arena match i've seen this this uh this year and that includes uh the g1 that's uh that's just ended as well so i don't think you can give it give it higher praise than that and yet it's uh it's it's uh, it's a match that's going to stick in the memory uh and a match i think we're going to be talking about for a for a very long time to come Ian, would you say this is one of probably if not the best match of the sort of like uh no fans covid era I would say definitely from a WWE or, dare I say, Western side. I mean, there's a few of the New Japan ones I can't prefer, but absolutely from, from at least for WWE banner, this, I would say, is sleepwalking to match of the year. No, no question about it. I mean, I mean I've seen you know, a lot of their matches. I think all of them in you know, from XW, you know, and Progress as well. Uh, this was definitely right up then. I think, you know, you touched about the lack of the crowds, you no, know, really helped. You no, know, it helped all the strikes echo and the pace was at. You know, wouldn't really call it a sprint, but it was pretty much at the pace of a sprint. Mm. The only thing that detracted for me, and I know some people consumers are better than others, the commentary. Like I know, mm. you know Andy Shepard, Nigel McGuinness. You know, it's we've got to take the rough, smooth, and all that kind of thing. But was part of it where it was just, I wouldn't say eye rolling, but it was the kind of thing. It was just you really had to either mute it and just ignore the background or just. You know, Grishy teeth and go through it, but um, yeah, I mean, as a match, I mean, we've we've done this plenty of times before. They're used to the violence against each other. I mean, when's the last time you saw a WWE match, especially with a guy coughing up blood at the end of it, real or fake? Mm. You know, it just did not feel, as Ben said, it did not feel like a match that WWE would put on ever. It might be something made from the network, you know, under you know, best of Interpromotion X banner or something like that. But this felt like they'd literally lifted the you know, the playbook from you know, a WXW match, maybe a fair match in progress, dropped it in under the WWE ring, and you know, you know, have at it. I mean, I think people said there's absolutely no way that Shawn Michaels and Code you know, tend to produce NXT UK. If they've had any hands on this, they've literally looked, looked and gone, eh, let, these, let these guys work it out. Did either of you get a chance to watch that YouTube video? Or was it? I think it was Shawn Michaels, Drew McIntyre, and uh, Sheamus like watching this match and reviewing it on YouTube. I saw the clip come up, but I didn't have a chance to watch it. I don't know if either of you two had a chance to watch it. I've only seen clips of it. The clip I saw was Shawn Michaels saying that uh, yeah, that Walter's never faced a man like Ilya before, and that made me not want to watch it, to be honest. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, Ian, you're the busiest man in Brit, right? Surely you watched it. Uh, afraid not. No, I saw the clips, but as soon as I, again, as soon as I saw that clip of him, never watched wrestle before. It's like I've seen him wrestle before several times with my own <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and that's it. I feel like. Did, did, 
I'd be, I'm actually would be interested in seeing that because I want to know did they even watch this match? Because like like you said, there they, they they could were they aware of what they were going to do in this match? I've been I've been waiting waiting with bated breath for like the news to come out that yeah, Walter and Illy got fined like you know what's the equivalent of an NXT UK raise? Wait a couple of grand for uh, for some of the head drops in this for the physicality of this for for nobody in the match staring at the hands at one point and wondering what evil they had done. Um, we got none of that. It, it was it was purely just they were allowed to go out there and work their own match. Imagine if imagine if all the WWE wrestling was like this. I think we'd all have a have a much better time. Like, you know, who knows better how to be Walter than Walter? Who knows, who knows better to be like, you know, an all time underneath babyface like like Ilya was like he was in the in this match. Um yeah I, I I feel like they have to be completely hands off with this thing to, to like like you just said before, Ian, to to allow this to happen, to allow that finishing shot of Ilya on the floor with blood coming out of his mouth to to air to to let these two just go out there and do a match that was absolutely nothing like the matches that came before it on that show or any other match you're going to see on NXT UK in future. Um, I'd like to see maybe they learn a lesson from that, but uh, I don't know. I'm not particularly confident on that. As far as match of the year goes, though, I mean, where would you sort of like rank it? I mean, for me, it has to be Ibushi and Okada from Wrestle Kingdom, but I mean, this must, this is definitely up there, I think, uh, Bennett. Yeah, it's going to be tough at the end of the year to kind of, it's the type of match that's going to, that's going to stand out. Uh, you know, the problem with, say, G1 season is you enjoy all the G1 matches, but they blend a little bit together in the memory. Uh, I'm sure Ian can say the same as uh, as some of you uh, who put the work in this summer uh, with the uh, with the G1 coverage he did on Bad Body Drop and uh, and his work on 411. Like I, you know, I, I think the G1 can be great, but it struggles for that reason to stand out. You know, the final wasn't wasn't up to much, so I don't think that's a that's a competitor. Yeah, I suppose you can say Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, you know, the, the, there's a couple of matches there that, that stand out as well. But I don't know. Maybe if I think maybe Wrestle Kingdom's cheating a bit because I suppose you, as much as we're saying the positive of this match is you, that you get the you know the you can hear what they're doing in the match. You're not you know the crowd noise isn't drowning it out, and it is a positive. There is still something to be said for you know the empty arena period of wrestling versus you know the three months as uh, as small as it was uh, that we got uh, of of wrestling earlier in the year. So maybe it's an unfair comparison, and maybe just because of that, you know, it loses out a little bit to say a, a Hiromu Osprey or maybe Okada or Ibushi. Um, but I think it's going to be in the mix. I think for me, it's going to be. You know, just based on pure star rating point of view, I haven't given four point seven. I didn't give four point seven five out once in the G one. Um, so it's going to be above all the G one matches. It's neck and neck with those Wrestle Kingdom matches, and there's there's not much else for me really. Uh, anything you can think of, Ian? Maybe there was nothing really. WXW weekend either was there? Really? That was the other big weekend of the uh, the mini year we got January to March. I suppose it depends how much you've taken with the. Um... Bandido, Mike Bailey match, you know, one with a flooded ring with you no know, coins and notes and what have you. Mm. Uh, about one when I went full five ever, again, live buys and what have you. Um, just looking at the rest of at least my ratings, then, okay, you know, as you say, I'm, I'm a bit of a generous star rater. A lot, no, there's a few low fours, um, maybe the final, but again, a few people thought that went a bit too long. Um, I know, you know Bobby Guns, Night 2 against He Who Shall Not Be Named. No, a lot of miles may vary there, so yeah, probably looking Wrestle Kingdom, uh, maybe like Tanahashi Naito from G1, maybe Shingo Okada from G1, and then probably this. So 
it's weird, you know, you've got a year with a lot less shows and a lot less matches happening, yet the, the debates can be you know, almost as hot as it's ever been for a match of year. I mean, as far as sort of like moving on with uh, Walter and Ilya in, in NXT UK, I mean, um, Ian, I mean, you wouldn't want to see matches like this all the time, week in, week out, so that would reduce their appeal if you saw it week to week. But as far as um, these two go again, I mean, where do you see a rematch? I mean, NXT TakeOver in the USA, the rescheduled Island NXT UK TakeOver the next year, maybe? Um, I don't see them doing a rematch anytime soon. I mean, you know, obviously we're recording NXT UK is on now. Neither Walter nor Ilya were on the show last week. Um, the only thing that I can think in terms of next direction of Walter is maybe Rampage Brown. So he's debuting on the show tonight. Um, I mean, as far as, you know, if they ever get back to Walter and Ilya, I think they have to wait for fans to get back in because you've got all the hype of the empty arena show. The only way you're going to be able to top it is if you've got crowds there. Absolutely can't be on TV, so you know, definitely take over. Maybe not take over uh, Dublin if they ever get around to that, but... I don't know, maybe if they, you know, do take over Wembley Arena or you know, some you know, big bang show when we are able to get fans back up and running again. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned him then. I mean, just to go into the rest of NXT UK. Sorry, Benno. Um, but, <laughs> uh, I mean, Rampage Brown has signed, um, which is a really interesting one for me because, um, you know, he signed back to WWE Developmental way back in the dark days of uh, FCW. He was there with, like, Pac and Joel Redman and the like. Um, and he really hasn't spoke very well of his time there for a number of years. It never seemed like he'd really want to go back there. But it's easy to see why. I mean, nothing is going on over here in terms of shows and things like that. And then I think he was involved in the training school in Leeds. So it's easy to see why Rampage has signed. I mean, he's pretty much done it all on the UK scene, Benno. Yeah, that's it. This is, you know, we mentioned at the top of the show, the grief I got for Darren to suggest maybe, say, a Ben Carter or someone like him where he's a young wrestler, who we haven't seen, you know, in in a lot of big matches. You could have had an interest in Tora Japan or an interest in running in an AW or more interest in dream matches on the indies if they ever come back. Um, so you can say from a creative point of view, with someone like that, you get disappointed with them signing with WWE. Rampage Brown, I, you know, I think it'd be harsh to say I don't see what the loss is, but, you know, Words to that effect, really. I mean, he's a he's a veteran and he's a great hand to have on shows. I'm sure he would have featured more and say, you know, Rev Pro's tapings coming up. I think he would have been a solid mid-card part of that. And I know there are people out there who love Rampage Brown and will, you know, we'd be call, calling me out for blasphemy here with him. But for me, he's a guy who he's been around. He's done everything. There isn't anything interesting he was going to be doing in in a Rev Pro this year or next year. There wasn't anything interesting he was going to do in a in a revamped progress or or in the Indies in general. Again, if they could, if they come back as we uh, as we've uh, seen them the last few years in a in a similar vein, I think with him, you know, the likes of him or a, a Shah Samuels, you know. I will never, you know, I'd never begrudge anybody for taking the money at this point. Uh, you know, maybe it's surprising that with his uh, his history with NXT and WWE in general uh, that he's signed. But really, when there's not many other options, you can't can't begrudge someone for taking taking a living wage. And the second thing is, yeah, you can't really say there's a huge amount to sink his teeth into outside the WWE. Really, he's the type of pickup 
maybe WWE should be making for NXT UK at the start. Um, you know, him and Shah should have probably been in there um, in the mix with, you know, uh, Dave Mastiff. Um, those types of guys aren't really, I would say, a, a massive, massive loss to, like, the, the top level indies. Um, I think it's, you know, you're pulling a little bit out as far as a, an experienced hand goes. But, yeah, I, personally, I think there's a, not a huge loss there. The only maybe question mark as well, you know, was Great O'Conn right in, in what he tweeted about, uh, I think it was actually on Instagram where he said something on the lines that he was hoping to get Rampage Brown to New Japan. I think I would have taken that, uh, you know, in, in exchanging bombs with Anishi or something like that in Japan. That did maybe maybe a little bit more intrigue for what he could have done outside the WWE. But yeah, with him, I think it's a good pickup for a for an to UK, and I just don't think it's the it's the worst thing really because he's pretty much done everything he can do. Yeah, and Ian, especially if his sort of career's winding down a bit, then he could maybe find himself sort of like a with his background in training and things like that. He could maybe find himself sort of like a backstage role in NXT UK as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've seen you know, some of the guys they've got, well, just gone by the on-screen stuff. You know, we've got uh, James Mason there. Um, I'm blanking on, on on his name, Johnny Moss. He's around, so they're clearly going for you know, somewhat recent guys to do the backstage stuff. Uh, which, you know, I'm not saying we need all the help, but you would have to think at some point, you know, when things spin up again, you know, the American influence is probably going to die off a bit. But mm. it's, it's a sold get for NXT UK. I mean, you know, as much as we rightly criticise, you know, the direction of this stuff's going, I mean, I think his debut is uh, Jack Stars tonight, which, you know, I'm not kidding when I'm saying this, that match was built off of a glance in a backstage, in a, sorry, in a mm. pre-take, <laughs> segment, which is... I guess it's better for nothing, but you know, is that really the build you're getting? But anyway, yeah, I mean, like I say with Rampage, you know, he, I think, still is one half of Ref Pro Tag Champs. The other half is obviously a greater Khan. He's not coming back anytime soon. I mean, those tag belts are just absolutely cursed for last year or so. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing else, like I say, there's nothing else he could have done. You know, he's been Progress Champion. He's been Atlas Champion. You know, Ref Pro weren't exactly going to give him you know, their big belt not anytime soon. Especially in the situation we're in now, he may as well take the money. I mean, he's what, 36, 37? Feels like he's been around you know, forever. So you know, he is absolutely one of those guys you could not begrudge taking the money after having done the long indie career. And you not know, going back to what he's saying about how you know, he's had the WWE run before, this isn't developmental as such. You know, it's not going to you know, warehouse and floors are doing, you not know, being a tackling dummy, I think he said in the podcast a while back. So you know, this is you know, being meant to be. Maybe not the top guy, but at least be a guy on the show, which not, even if it's just no, no brief run with Walter and then into a mid-card, at least it's a, an extra fresh body for the lineups, I guess. Yeah, and also, and I suppose more importantly for him, you get to go home to your family every night, don't you? You're not stuck over in America away from all your family and friends, so I suppose that's probably a, an important thing for him. But, um, I mean, we're being quite positive here. I mean, let's talk about the rest of NXT UK. I mean, if you want a complete... <laughs> 180 on what we saw with Ilya and Walter. I mean, the rest of that episode, I mean, Ed, this never-ending Eddie Dennis feuding with Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. I mean, Eddie even getting their friends Wild Boar and Primate to turn. I mean, I mean, this was, I mean, there's been some bad segments on NXT UK, but this one took the big biscuit. I mean, really made me feel what Benno said last month about second-hand embarrassment, especially the commentary. Their friends have turned on them, you know, and it was just, I don't know, seemed to be regurgitating this Eddie Mark Andrews thing again, Benno. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and you can say, you know, where the 
we're the people who've covered progress in the while. We follow this stuff closely and, you know, we can see it's being repeated. And I suppose the argument would be, well, there's new NXT UK fans who don't know about uh, this Eddie Dennis and, and Mark Andrews history. But, you know, is there really? <laughs> that's, a, that's a question I'd have. Uh, yeah, bad, just bad uh, in general. I'd, I thought maybe the, the promo... This last week, where you know Eddie Dennis uh, kind of did the whole, you know, he's like a he's like the manager of these two monsters in uh, in Primate and Wild Boar. It was cheesy, but made me a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, I think that segment you mentioned there it was just the the really typifies what NXT UK is, and it's a uh, it, it just looks to me like a like a child's drama school. It's it's wrestlers scared to put a foot wrong, scared to step outside of. WWE boundaries doing an imitation of what they've seen on Monday Night Raw, um, you know, desperately searching for the hard cam and to to hit their cues and to nail their WWE dialogue. Um, yeah, it's just it is embarrassing. Uh, and yeah, it's just I don't know. I, I like Eddie Dennis. You know, he was he was someone I, I really turned around in with his uh, is he running progress coincidentally and doing this uh, doing a few with Mark Andrews. Unfortunately, that went nowhere and. He's been hamstrung by by injuries since, uh, no pun intended. So, yeah, it's uh, you know not exactly the most exciting of feuds, and just yeah, the execution of it's just it's just it is it's it's amateur hour, um, and that is the complete opposite uh, of, of what you see in, in in like a Walter or an Ilya. That they they were they were two people who knew who they were. And I think every other bit of this show and angles like that just always, just to me, just always come across like it's it's play school um, and it's people who just aren't comfortable in their own skin or, or uncomfortable in this environment, even after this extended period of time, all those lads have been signed. One bit which I picks up Water and Light, that, that you know, second wave, no Eddie turned on and all that, it felt horribly edited, like not like bad camera angles, but Every bit of dead air just seemed to have been sliced out. And I mean, you know, the episode was on as for Walter Early One was I think it was an hour, ten minutes. But it felt like they chopped every single bit of dead air out. So you know, Ed would stop speaking, then Mark would suddenly pipe up like you know, <laughs> almost like nervous amateur dramatics, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know whether that was the way it was done, but you know, if it was, you know, you can record again. But it, again, it just felt weird how it's just so boom, 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 boom. It's like nothing got a chance to breathe on its own. And you know, again, going back to what Ben was saying before about you know, searching for hard cam, not being comes from your own skin. There's something I spotted on the show last week. Um, and I don't know if it's just for the you know, Heritage Cup stuff or whether this is general, but and they've shown us a few times accidentally as well on the show. They've got a countdown clock visibly in the studio or rain, whatever you want to call it. Now, I don't know if they've been told, oh, we've got 10 minutes, we've got a countdown ticker, and that's maybe making them more nervous. But yeah, it just seemed a bit weird how, you know, you've know, seen some matches with a countdown ticker going on, and you can just about see as well you know, them starting to rush, you know, as that starts getting close mm-hmm. to zero. So maybe it's a case of just being massively overproduced. Yeah, I think that's one of the main things, isn't it? Just, just seem, especially because with just the hour, and it just seemed massively overproduced. I mean, but you mentioned it there, the Heritage Cup, um, we've seen the continuation of that. Um, obviously, we're recording this as the new episode's going out, but you've seen A-Kid advance to the final against either Dave Mastiff or Trent Seven. Um, not really said the word alike, but Ian, do you think uh, rounds matches have a place in today's wrestling landscape? Um, so, I mean, obviously we talk about the WXW stuff a bit later on, there's two slightly different implementations of it. WWE's going down the 
I guess the classic one, but the problem that I've got with the Heritage Cup, it's all kind of the same format. It's best of three falls and every single match has gone two fall to one, no one's blitzed to 2-0 or anything like that. It just seems to be too patent and I guess if you've got no fans, you know, you're not risking the you know the brawl for all kind of reactions or the booing or the or what have you. But it just doesn't feel to me like the way Debris implemented it. It doesn't seem to have really stuck. Like you've got guys doing their matches with you know the belts going like one of the reviews I did for four one one mentioned how um there's a promotion years back called the American Wrestling Federation, which did the whole thing like in America with the British round system. And literally it's just match would get a little bit of momentum, ding, end of the round. It's like, given enough time and enough practice, you can kind of build a structure that works on that. But, you know, a lot of these guys here, you know, I mean, you've got to, again, I'm not calling them out as a, you know, oh, you did this horribly, but you've got guys like Joe Connors who did one match and that's it. That's all they're going to do in this. So it's just, I mean, I guess it's something different, but, you know, Considering the last time they did a rounds match before this was when Cassius Ono was doing his whole I'm the Savior of Brit Res gimmick. Yeah. It just feels like, and like at least with the WXW stuff, he's doing his, you know, it's a standalone tomb, it's a whole theme, and that's your entire shows. This just feels like, eh, let's go old school. Like, and I'm, you know, when they announced I was thinking, is World of Sport coming back? Because that's about the only time they looked the past. Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah, and I mean, we discussed on the last episode, uh, Benno, that we weren't a big fan of sort of like rounds matches in, in today's landscape. But um, yeah, I suppose they've, they've stuck to it, um, but it's not really like um, set the world alight, has it? But um, I suppose maybe someone coming in to inject a bit of excitement into it. Uh, Miko Setamora, that's the big rumour going around that she might be an NXT UK bound. I mean, uh, Benno, do you think, uh, I mean, a progress matches weren't that great, but obviously she's had some uh, bangers in the past. Do you think she could uh, light up some of the uh, women's division in NXT UK? Well, no, but um, for the sake of argument, <laughs> <it's> actually... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I think with her, it's, it's, I mean, I think I wasn't surprised when she signed because I think the rumour was, wasn't it, that she was going to be, you know, involved in whatever would come of an NXT Japan and that, you know, there was rumour of Daisuke Sakamoto being involved as well, so it being a a WWE employee is not a shock. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's the same creative, isn't it? It's, you know, Jim Smallman's in charge and he kind of is just repeating what he did in progress with Miko. And if we get another situation like that where it's just a, an assumption the fan base knows who she is and then, you know, just slot her into the same old matches, you know, throw it, let's throw her in there with Ginny. Let's, let's, let's put, let's put her in there as like the veteran against whatever, whatever heel she can knock down on the way. Um, I mean, I should doubt her as a, you know, someone who if people aren't familiar with, uh, I think most people in the Midlands now are familiar with, a lot of Brit Res fans will be familiar with, but, you know, someone who is, uh, you know, people who are huge uh, uh, Puro fans uh, that I know, you know, see Miko as a, a genuine legend and, and Hall of Famer. Um, so you know, probably shouldn't doubt that she's going to come in and and do as good work as you can uh, within the uh, the framework of NXT UK. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it, it hugely excites me. As long as if they don't have her in there cutting you know terrible Ginny style promos, maybe that'll be a positive. If they if they go let her go out there and, and do 
you know, similar to a Walter O'Neillia, let let her, let her be herself and let her let her craft her own thing. That could be interesting too. Uh, but to be honest, I think we're either going to get a, a, a reboot of of what uh, what Smallman did with her in progress, uh, or you know, they're just going to use it for, for for spots here and there here on the show. Yeah, I'm unfortunately, uh, pessimistic on that one. I don't expect uh, huge things with uh, with Miko in NXT UK. Ian, any final thoughts on NXT UK? Um, I mean, just back to what Benno said, I mean, you know, if Michael is heading for brand, he'll probably get one or two decent matches, you know, Kaylee Ray, Viper, but I mean, that women's division, you know, you have your spotlight women's title feud, and then the rest is, you know, three, four minute matches, and I, I, I don't think Michael would really fit that mold too well, you know, in and out in four, four or five minutes. No, it's probably fair to, you know, if she's going to be fair to, you know, I say train the women's division, great, but yeah, I don't really have much faith in them doing anything with her as an on-screen character anyway. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say it's like other well, thoughts on NXT UK. I thought Devlin looked a state uh, last week. I don't know what you guys thought on that. He he didn't look uh, he he didn't look in ring shape. Let's all let's all be uh, be honest about it. That his match was extremely rough. I thought on a uh, on last week's show. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, you know obviously the the real life things around him that have uh, not really been addressed properly by WWE. That probably maybe he wasn't expecting to be booked. Uh, but his match with Levi it was a fun I've been a mess as far as I was concerned, um, and hardly, hardly worth even putting on TV. I'm surprised it, I'm surprised it made it that far. Um, that one, I thought that one was particularly weak. Yeah, because they were hyping it up the week before, weren't they? And then it, it, they must mm. have even realised it might have been a bit of a mess of a match. Really rusty, a lot of ring rust, weren't there? And I think they were just like, well, you know, it, there's all this controversy surrounding him, you know, and all these. Uh, accusations around speaking out and things like that and oh well let's just get him out there and get this out of the way and then we can sort of like move forward and then he's back on tv now and we, and we can just forget about everything else it seemed to be for me anyway ian yeah i mean again no i'm not saying he's to blame levi muir's don't have that many matches i mean before he got signed i'd barely heard from him. like i'd seen his name around on things like uh Battle Pro in London, and he did a Progress Dark match, but no, I don't think it, when he got signed, he even had like a cage match page, which shows how under the radar he is. So, I'm not saying he's completely green, but yeah, I think with Devlin, this it does could seem to be one way. But maybe he's thought he's not going to be coming back anytime soon, and no, who knows? Maybe they've got plans to send him to Mexico to get into NXT after Christmas, and no. No, do the Shawn Michaels raise Ramon ninety four type unification deal again. Like you said though, but now I just I just think they're not gonna uh, go into those um you know, accusations against him on the I think they're just you know, similar to uh, what they've done with sort of like Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle, it's kinda of like, well we've said what we've said and that that's it now moving forward. Yeah, that's it. And just hope we all forget it. But you know, people have got long memories, and you know, someone like a Devlin relies uh, a lot on the the goodwill. I think of a, of a hardcore fan base, especially the Irish. Uh, and I don't think people are uh, are forgetting that stuff uh, too soon. And and like I say, if anyone was wanting to, I don't think his uh, performance last week is uh, is going to make a difference to anyone either. So moving on to Red Pro, who are still plodding along with their uh, epic encounter shows. And uh, this past month, we had number four. Uh, The previous three were available on Fight TV for £10 before being uploaded to the Red Pro streaming service. Um, 
But a bit of a change for this fourth one and future ones. Uh, they're no longer on fight and they're being streamed on uh, Red Pro's brand new Twitch channel. Um, Benno, I mean, surely only one thing to assume from this switching provider is that it wasn't going well for Red Pro on fight, was it? It, it can't have been. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I, I, if you listen to that to our last show, I think we were maybe a little bit harsh on, you know, on the shows because they have been well booked, haven't they? And we have had a couple of you know nice moments. But I think a lot of, of that analysis is probably baked in the fact that you know we're, we're recognising that they were charging a tenner for each of these shows. Mm. Um, and they weren't worth it, were they? Um, they were fun. You know, as far as like, if this was a weekly TV show, say this was on Free Sports or something like back in the day, <laughs> uh, you know, your, your expectations are a little bit lower, aren't they? Um, but I do think it felt like Dimension Returns. It, it felt like, well, I think we all enjoyed episode one, episode two and three, the war started showing. Um, and I just think the, you know, the minimal... And I say minimal buzz the was because people don't uh, don't seem to like to talk out loud about uh, Rev Pro anymore. But it's definitely people out there watching it. Uh, but there was no real buzz, you know. There was no real excitement in the air, even from like the hardcore Rev Pro fans. It felt like in in their fan group and their their Facebook pages. Once it got to the third show, I think the the novelty wore off a little bit. So it wouldn't surprise me if numbers were down. And you know, looking at Twitch, you know, looking at you know what watching those numbers come in live. I know I was chatting to you on the night Ian about it. What was it between two and three hundred? Was it you put your show uh, on three and, and there your numbers? Of two twenty, and then by the time got the main event, it started dipping. Which I think for me, and I don't know if you have the same issue, Ben, but on the Twitch stream for me, at times it's unwatchable. I don't yeah. know if it's because the first time we've done it, which if it is, you know, test the damping out in advance. It it did affect my enjoyment for sure. I mean, booking the booking. Yeah fine but for me i thought it was the worst show and a lot of that would have been was down to the fact that you no know, you were getting maybe one frame a second at some points and i know, mm. you know guys and boys for wrestling they you know they loved the show which you know they were watching on the retro bod so that may have had a part in it but to me watching it live and seeing oh you know hearing andy and rob lice commentate on moves and you're seeing maybe a split second of a guy mid-move I'm I'm watch wrestling. I don't watch flip book stuff, you know. Red yeah. Pro having technical difficulties. What what is the world <laughs> coming to? But yeah, I, I watched this on the on demand, and it was yeah. I mm. did hear that people had said about the Twitch stream, and yeah. thankfully I watched this on the on demand service where there weren't as many issues. Yeah, I, I was going to say like I watched it. I rewatched it today, um, just to kind of jog my memory on the uh, on the Red Pro on demand that it was better. But I don't know. I've got to be careful. I had a, I had a nightmare of uh, streaming live on live on Twitch. <laughs> and something, so, you know, it's harder than you think. Everyone to get the, This was the. It felt like someone first stream just like my uh, my grapple stream on sunday was uh was my first stream yeah the, the cropping was all off and like you said it was uh it was freezing a little bit and you know for a for a, a show that's already in the can that you just have to upload um it, it was a little bit concerning um but again i think uh i'll probably have to set that one out there as far as uh, production issues goes in foregone the matches one thing i would, would call out is in do the screenshots i did four one one they've got those little like caption things on the screen, so things like like who last subscribed, who last donated, and all that. And poor Hikoleo, he must be the last guy to subscribe to the channel because the whole show, all you can see in the like the, the name plate bars and all that is just his name as the last followed. It's like I know they had something set up for like the, the donation super chat stuff. Never advertised Jim Jim show. It was on the Twitch page if you read that far, but. Or who's a who's going to do it and b who's going to be brave enough to actually have their name pop up as 
hey, I've given Revpo this much, especially given how how much they're much forbidden these days, it seems. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's interesting that Hickelow's name stayed up there. I subscribed since, so I, I think I think maybe it was more a case of the 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 I, the, uh, the stream itself. There was something up with like maybe uh, with their, their OBS settings or something. I'm talking like I'm an expert now, yeah. um, but I think I think it was more <laughs> one quick stream and. <laughs> And it goes like shit, and yeah, now I'm an expert. Um, but I, I mean, to the original point, though, I, I do think like that is concerning, isn't it? That this is, for all intents and purposes, the UK's premier wrestling promotion right now, mm. and the only wrestling promotion running, and we're not cracking 300 people watching for free. Like that is that is, that that makes me worry. Um, I mean, we can get there's plenty to be positive about. I think personally about about the show um again maybe my expectations are lower because of the fact that this one was a was a free one but that does concern me that you know at the end of the day this is the only promotion running andy q has got pretty much the choice of any unsigned british wrestler he wants in the country and he but he's running unopposed and he's running for free and we're drawing 220 fans that's not a, you know, for the people who want to argue about uh, whether Brit Rez is dead or not, oof, that's uh, that's not good news for me. I think that was my biggest takeaway from the stream. Mm. So, yeah, it's an interesting one, that. Yeah, I, I do take your point on board, but I, I'd be interested to see if Progress that have gone down this route and what their streaming numbers would have been like, because True. around the country, they always did a lot better than sort of like Red Pro when they did Manchester and things like that, didn't they? Mm. Yeah, I suppose you've got more of that. Brandon kind of baked in. Um, you know, we are talking Rev Pro with the twenty pench Patreon subscribers. Where I think Brandon's always been Rev Pro's weakness, hasn't it? It's yeah. more about what they can offer as far as like a big dream match or you know the bell to bell, rather than having you know that that loyal fan base that maybe some other companies have got. But still, I would have expected more. Yeah, that's true. But um, I mean, as for the show itself, um, it. Osprey debuted his new heel character, didn't he, in his match against JJ Gale, um, sort of after the wind declaring that he'd graduated. Um, obviously, these shows were filmed ages ago, so interesting that um, that Osprey had, had, you know, decided when this heel character was going to be coming into play uh, before I entered Japan there, Ian. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the whole, I mean, I believe they taped four, maybe five episodes in one block, which... Well, that's quite some intricate planning they've needed to know that Osprey is going to turn, when this is going to wear. Well, so you've got to appreciate the planning there. Um, the one thing I've not been keen on this particular opener, JJ Gale is you not know, content, so New Japan's version of Young Lions. And he went way too you know, even with you know, promotions champion. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying it should have been a you know, 15 second one, one kick win kind of thing, but he should not have gotten as much in against Osprey as he did, even if this was a proven ground graduation, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, you know, Gale is, I would say, probably one of the more spotlit contenders they've got. You know, the, you know, Ken Halfpenny, Brendan White, they've just put against each other. I think Sean Jackson, the other one, has not been seen since uh, before lockdown. So, yeah, I mean, so clearly they've got plans to do something with Gale. Um, the way that leads to something on you know, the next set of tapings, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Osprey, you know, the heel turn, I mean, he did the figure four to win in this match. He's been doing that in New Japan. So it's been laid out. It's not just, oh, I'm going to you know, play cosplay Ric Flair today. <laughs> and, you know, turn to Japan, you know, three months later, wearing a suit looking like a Poundland Gideon Grey kind of gimmick. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, there's been thought put into this. 
Um, but I just think maybe it's much, you know, going six minutes and 50, you know, 50-50 kind of thing. Was Michael Pate, I know there's, you know, really love this match way more, which I get, and again, tech issues, not a harp on. I probably have enjoyed it more if I wasn't sitting watching, waiting for the next, you know, screenshot to come up. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, but definitely get behind JJ Gale and, you know, we'll see what they're planning in. I mean, just looking at the card, because they've got another show on this coming Sunday again on Twitch. And they've got Gale on an undercard tag with Callum Newman against Michael Oku and Connor Mills. So I guess we'll see if he's still wearing the, you know, the black ringer T-shirt and you know, no specific gimmick kind of uh, deal on Sunday, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting that venue. I think that's just Osprey, though, isn't it? I don't think he's going to allow a match not to be sort of like where he gives the other guy a, a lot of uh, shine. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you can imagine him being told he's got six minutes in there with a JJ Gale, who's clearly somebody you know he he will like uh, as far as a, a stylistic type of thing, and and he's not going to want to just blow through him, is he? Um, you know, they 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 said it was a proven ground match, but it it wasn't really. It was more of a straightforward match, um, and yeah, maybe Osprey gave him a, a little bit more than than he should have. But at the end of the day, it was you know I think what you remember about a match like this is the last thirty seconds, and it's Osprey drop, dropping with a power bomb and then making him tap out with like uh, like Ian said doing uh, doing Ric Flair Junior with his uh, with his figure four. Um, so you know, I think at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be a, a huge problem, um, and I think it it does give you know. Gets a little bit of shine to JJ Gale, which I think was maybe the point behind Osprey doing what he did. Because um, for me, this was this was pretty much a highlight of the show. I really enjoyed this. I thought yeah. this was good. Um, you know, I think the build between Osprey and Ricky Knight Jr. I think continues to be good. Um, uh, I do like, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Martin, the fact that you know they they, they clearly time these shows. I think knowing Osprey's proper heel turn in New Japan was coming. I think we all obviously know these shows aren't live now, but I feel like they've timed kind of that that slow turn, or you know, that more more of the ego coming out and more of like the the, the bad guy character coming out of Osprey really well, um, and it does all you know tie together really nicely. Um, so I've enjoyed that. And I think like I think the thing that maybe we need to give them credit for that they've been doing so well is that it's that week to week booking, isn't it? It's making you interested. Like I feel like. You know, that match next week for Osprey and Ricky Knight Jr. is, you know, it feels important. Mm-hmm. And it's from giving Osprey a strong win here and, you know, the Ricky Knight Jr. match, which I'm sure we'll get into in a minute later on in the show, setting that stuff up. So I think that's the stuff they're really doing well. Uh, and that's the stuff I think they, they do, do deserve some uh, some plaudits for on these shows. I mean, before we get into uh, Ricky Knight Jr., because obviously he's been like uh, a really big highlight of all of these shows, hasn't he? And uh, it's really been a good sort of like elevating platform for him. But um, we also had the fourth match in the Kenneth Halfpenny Brendan White series. And I mean, Ian, what have you made of this uh, series of matches between these two? So I think the overall story we've been telling has been solid. Like, you know, they did the same match in the first two epic encounters, Brendan and Botham. Halfpenny, I wouldn't say he's been playing like a chicken shit heel kind of guy, but he's been playing the whole you know, saw loser kind of thing. And he's been you not know, claiming he lost through cheating, claims he lost because Brendan was being you know, not entirely honest. You know, maybe the best of five series, he moves two down. So, of course, when we say that, you know it's going to go for full five. Um, again, you know, the matches we've had have been fine. I mean, e movies are meant to be the rev pro take on young lines. It's not basic matches, you know, they are doing stuff which is maybe a bit, a bit outside the box you normally see, you know, you're not seeing, you know, Yuma and um, Suji hitting, like, destroyers and what have you, unless 
Gato's had a funny half hour, but yeah, but, you know, so we're telling the story of you know, Ken Halfpenny lost the first two, and now he's you know, taking shortcuts, he's levelled it up. Uh, no, I think this one, no, it was, uh, I think it was a low blow they missed on the live feed they missed as well, which you know, I don't know how you do that, but it's worth talking about. They have, let's say, built the story, I think, um, Halfpenny's been going after Brendan White's arm last few matches, so um, presumably that'll build into the match on Sunday, but yeah, it's it's been a pretty solid story. Um, again, them just being the contenders in the same match five times in a row, you can also understand why some people would just be turned off this by now. Yeah, I can kind of get that sentiment, and yeah, it's not been sort of like, it's we're in this weird area, aren't we, where it's like, you know, these aren't proper shows, you know, because there's no fans there, and it's kind of like, you know, we're just gradually getting used to them. Maybe proper shows all sort of like, you know, if Boris Johnson's saying, you know, things will be back to relatively normal by next sort of like spring, you know, that's when we might see sort of like more proper shows springing up then, uh, you know, with it packed out with fans and things like that, but... Benno, I mean, we did give Rev Pro a lot of flack for, uh, you know, relying too much on New Japan guys, but it's so clearly they're trying to get, a, you know, obviously they've not been able to use uh, New Japan guys outside of uh, your Osprey. Um, but they're clearly trying to, like, create their own stable of people with your Kenneth Halfpenny, Brendan White, JJ Gale, Callum Newman, people like that. They, you know, and, and they aren't going to come in and set the world alight straight away, are they? So they're, they're slowly trying to build them. It's just that you know, they're having, you know, longer matches than they might have normally had in sort of like a pre-COVID world. Yeah, that's it. I mean, who needs Okada when you've got Kenneth Halfpenny? Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, I, I don't find these matches particularly interesting. It's two lads in black trunks having five too many matches for me. But it's not their fault, you know, and they're both solid wrestlers. And if anything, I can, rec- can recognise as well why as a promoter you might want to do it, you know, give... You've got these shows, you've got a captive audience who'll be buying the shows for other matches. Let's give these lads some exposure and throw them out five times to, to do what they can do. But they are at the end of the day contenders, aren't they? And there's a there's gonna be a ceiling in what they can do. You know, you you're talking two star specials as as far as these matches go. Um and yeah, you know, they both look fundamentally sound. Um and you're right. Uh, Red Pro uh, a right to uh, to invest in you know young talent and you know if you believe these lads are young they look like they've got a combined age of eighty but you know uh, if you believe they're young uh, but you know it's it's not you know going to light anyone's well on fire it's, it's it's an easy skip I think if you're watching these shows good exposure for them good on Red Pro for invested in the youth but you know not particularly interesting matches at the end of the day. And, uh, I mean, let's get to the highlights of these shows and sort of, like, mainly the other shows. It's got to be Ricky Knight Jr. I mean, um, his match with Kyle Fletcher, nothing too exceptional. But if these shows have done anything, it's elevate RKJ. I mean, main highlight of these tapings, and it seems these shows are going to reach the conclusion as he faces Osprey, as uh, Ian noted earlier, on Epic Encounter 5. And, uh, Ian, some brief thoughts on this match and just Ricky Knight Jr. over these Red Pro tapings. I think... Um, you know, if one thing that's good that's come out of these tapings that is, is that he's looked really good in all of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ricky Knight Jr. has come in since Rev Pro bought Southside a year ago. I mean, best no best time just completely broken for you. But yeah, I mean, these epic encounter tapings. You know, he came in as the Southside Speed King champ, lost the belt to Oku. They've merged all the bats now in history. But it's weird. He's you no, know, he's lost a belt, but he's eclipsed Oku despite that defeat. Um, you know, they've built this almost like a murderous role for Osprey, you know, Dan Maloney, Kyle Fletcher, RKJ for the title. 
uh, Ricky Knight Jr. is getting shots Sunday. And yeah, I mean, for a guy who came in, you know, as a quote cruiserweight, you know, speed king thing, I would say he's not, I mean, you think he's about, he towers always about the same size as uh, Kyle, so He's definitely a lot bigger than you'd think just looking at mm-hmm. this photo of him. And, I mean, you know, he's only been ref pro for about a year now, say, because of the South Side thing. And I'd say his stock's absolutely gone up through that. Um, the only thing, and I'm going to be dead guilty of this on Sunday as anybody else, matches for the, for the title. We've all seen Osprey in Japan with the title belt. Yeah. Do you then put two and two to Kevin Fink? There's absolutely no way he's going to win because why would New Japan have him with a belt if he's lost it? But no, Fink both two. No, will be main event. We'll get time. I've got very high hopes for that match. Yeah, I'm the same, Benno. I think that'll that'll be a really good match. Perhaps um, the best one they've had on these shows. God, I, mean, I can't see a world where it's not. Um, you're right. You know. We we waxed lyrical about him last time. We're constantly raving about him, but Ricky Knight Jr. is the star of this set of tapings. He is the biggest abiding memory of these tapings is how good he has been both in ring and on mic and just as a camera, as a as a presence, and as Ian says, as someone who came in to maybe fit a certain slot on the card, and he's taken that opportunity, and he's taken the opportunity in these tapings unlike anybody else. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's it's fair to have high expectations for that one because they're gonna kill it. You know, like I said, we, we saw Asprey go out there and and try and have a great match with JJ Gale. He's gonna try with Ricky Knight Jr. as well. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, as far as matches go, so they've done a again, like I said earlier, they've done a really good job of this week to week build uh, and about making you interested in in matches coming up. Uh, again, even if everything on the show isn't for me, that's gonna be something that's for me. And yeah, you know. Echo Ian's thoughts on Ricky Nigeria, Carl Fletcher. You know, probably actually the strongest match on the card, I would say. But you know, we're still talking. You know, a three and a half baby star match at, at maximum. It was very much a you know a big shootout match, a big moves match. But the one thing it did, you know, while unfortunately poor Carl Fletcher is uh, it loses again. Um, a lot of us might have expected Carl Fletcher to be the the big story coming out of these tapings. I think his time will come later. Right now is all about Ricky Knight Junior. And yeah, get him to go out there and have a, a little flashy match with a with a Carl Fletcher and get a get a strong. One strong win is another bit of a really you know credible, good fundamental booking, um, and yeah, it really added uh, to my interest in the uh, the story with Osprey, and I thought the uh, the post match was pretty well done as well. So yeah, you know they've taught me into that one, um, and yeah, I'll be uh, that that's that's the, probably the main thing that'll have me uh, tune into the uh, the Twitch stream live next. So as far as Red Pro go, um, you know if things do loosen up significantly in December. Do you think they'll do another set of tapings or do you think they'll uh, wait until next year, Benno? I think they will. I think it's really, I mean, what what else, you know, you look at a Rev Pro, uh, as far as income coming in, I'm sure they've still got some on-demand subscribers. I'm sure they've still got some Patreon subscribers and, you know, maybe maybe they're flocking some merch, but as far as actually, you know, making money to, to keep the lights on and keep, this, keep a company running, I, th- I think they've they've almost got to. Um, I think they're in a as a full time promotion. I think they're in a different boat than a than a lot of indies can in this country. You can maybe shut down for a period. I think they're going to. I think they're going to be back. I think it's uh, you know it depending on what happens uh, over the next couple of months as far as uh, the rules and regulations go as far as running shows. Um, it certainly sounds from you know the the guidance the APPG have put out that once we're out of lockdown 
promotions are going to be able to run. Um, and you know, as far as doing things safely, um, you know, with the with with testing and with you know not having fans there, and you know, it's it looks like it's a very minimal personnel there, and plenty of uh, medics there that you uh, you heard referenced on comment commentary this week as well. Um, you know, if they can do it safely, I don't think it's a it's a, it's the worst thing that the, that Rev Pro continues to run. And to be honest, I think we've all got to be realists and uh, expect it to happen. Um, I think the, the biggest question is going to be how they how they monetize it. Do they go back to fight? You know, uh, they, we talked about the nine ninety nine. You know, it is is it's a steep ask, but I suppose on fight you're in the shot window, whereas. At the, right now, they're in the ground floor of trying to build this Twitch audience up. Maybe they'll, maybe they stick with that. Um, you know, there is there is money in that. Maybe they can they can build an audience over there. Uh, I think mainly I would like to see them stick to something uh, and give a, give a bit of consistency and allow you know the people who are really passionate about Rev Pro uh, to kind of you know sink their teeth into it and to let the word of mouth spread and you know maybe build a little bit of a brand loyalty um, that I think maybe they might have uh, lost in one or two ways this year. Ian, what are your thoughts on these shows as a whole then, just the presentation of them and the, the, the way they've been handled? I think the first one looked, I would say, you know, as good as the you know, short-lived TV show we did. The first one looked pretty good with surroundings and what have you. You can definitely tell throughout the, you know, the shows, I mean, things by show three, you're getting the smudged camera lens, stuff out of focus, wandering cams, what have you. I don't know if these have all been taped in one day, but you, know, you certainly get the vibe of the you know, production crew at tied. I mean, you know, said uh, the Halfpenny White match on the last show, they completely missed the finish, and they had a right camera angle as well. So I don't know if that's intentional, but you're getting the vibe that you know, if the crew's getting tired, you know, stuff's being missed, it's not quite as polished as it was before. And yeah, just to what Ben was saying, I mean, it just feels like they're trying to throw way too much against the wall to see what sticks. Like, you had the Patreon, I didn't subscribe. Um, or they, they, they were trying the, to air their old um, World Pro Wrestling, the TV show they had. And there's one or two episodes I never got to see because being free sports were moving around the schedules too much. I was keeping tracks in right. When they get it on, I'll sign up and watch. And then they forget, they forget all about it. It's like, it's classic Rev Pro. They try so much new stuff. But they don't save the course. Like I'm looking on their Twitch page, there's about 400, 450 followers. Well, that's good. I, I don't know how much of that is actual subscribers. That's just people following them, like but follow you on Twitter or what have you. So we'll see what happens on the show on Sunday if people have subscribed and you know back in conversion to anything uh, monetary, what have you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would you no, know, I would hope at some point they do something to really push the Twitch aspect of it whether it is like those super chats or number donations, what have you. Because them put this on Twitch, I mean, say those, you know, if all two of those people have bought them fight, that's two grand, you know, whatever could they get of two grand, they've lost it. Mm. I doubt they've gotten any, any well, seeing as only Hickaleo when was out going live, <laughs> they didn't get anything monetary from that at the time. Uh, no, so hopefully do something to at least push that a bit more, because right now, they're giving these shows away and at least on what they're showing publicly, not getting anything back for us. Yeah, well, let's just see what they uh, do heading into the new year and um, see, well, I mean, it's, I think it's easy to say that these shows may be not successful financially, I think, Benno. Yeah, it, it seems not. Um, but, you know, are they, are they worth it to keep 
you know, to keep the promotion running, to to keep the wrestlers in work, to keep creative going, and you know, keep the push of a Ricky Knight Junior going, to keep a you know a bad kid Dan Maloney style story going, to to rebump that women's division. Maybe it's worth it, you know, if they can if they can break even, and like Ian says, you know, if they can maybe monetize, you know, some of that Twitch money as they as they you know get get status on Twitch and are, and are able to monetize that after they've done a couple more streams, um, you know, maybe. maybe you could look at it in a situation and say, you know, if even if they make even a minor loss on this, maybe it's worth it just for the sake of running and keeping keeping things going. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see you know these being these being big money shows. And I think yeah, like, like you said earlier, Martin, I think the the switch from from fight to switch uh, certainly uh, gives that indication right now. So, so sticking with Osprey and um, and over to New Japan and the end of the G1, as it was very newsworthy for him, wasn't it? I mean, as he turned heel on his on his friend Okada with the assistance of uh, B Priestley and the returning great Okada um, with his new faction, the Empire. I mean, we also saw him cut a promo with a change of character coming out in a suit and going on about how much money he has and that his watch cost ten thousand pounds uh, at the most recent Power Struggle event, and and then he subsequently challenged Okada to a match at Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, um, Benno, what were your initial thoughts on uh, on Osprey's new faction and his uh, Nature Boy-like character? Um, shocking, to be honest. If anything, it was the story of like the closing G1 weekend. Uh, that kind of that that story that that spread over the the final A block night um, was all about you know okay you know there's, there's the the Jay White story they were telling as well, but the Osprey term was if anything the most shocking thing of that night. Uh, something I didn't see coming, although you know it was clear he was doing this this heelish act early on. You know, we called it on the show maybe a little bit maybe Kenny Omega cosplaying parts and a little bit cringeworthy if anything, uh, considering how you know whether you know. People on this side um, feel positively about Osprey or not. I think people on that side of the world in Japan were welcoming Osprey back to New Japan. He got a huge ovation at the start of this G1, so it did seem odd that he was doing the heelish thing throughout. And you know, eventually it made sense. And look, it's going to give us Osprey and Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. It's going to give us Osprey and Okada at the Tokyo Dome. And you know, you like me, Martin, were there for their first match uh, five odd years ago now, six years ago, is it now? Uh, at least by the time Wrestle comes around. Um, look, great full circle story. They're going to kill it. Like that's going to that's going to be, you know, that's going to be something else. Uh, so it's worth it for that. It's just a yeah. It's a route I didn't expect them to go down. You know, Osprey is the the leader of a, of a faction, and you know, in that position with Okada, clearly tells you New Japan uh, are very high on him. Uh, they've given him great Okan so far, which was a which is another big surprise. Uh, not so sure, like I say, on the some of the Kenny Omega mannerisms he's been doing in promos, and now you know on the on Power Struggle at the weekend where he was basically doing knock off Ric Flair with his with his 10 grand watch. Um, and he doesn't seem to really know who he is as a heel character right now. Yeah. Um, you know, he's doing that. He's putting out that, what was that terrible t-shirt he put out where it was something about him having a big dick. Like what? Like, yeah, I just don't understand what he's doing really right now. Um, but, you know, throwing a lot of things at the wall is probably the answer and, and hoping something sticks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit dubious on, on some of the heroes so far, but, you know, I can't be negative on it when, at the end of it, we're going to get Osprey Okada at the Dome. Like, that is, that's a guaranteed four and a half at least star match if, uh, if I ever heard one. Um, so it'll be worth it for that. 
clear that New Japan are, are big on Osprey and they're clear that they're, they're going with him. Uh, maybe with, you know, more than maybe even us with the highest of expectations expected New Japan to go with him for. But, you know, he's someone who's going to, he's, he's going to, it's a New Japan that's quite stale in certain regards right now. And yeah, I think he's going to make the, the top of that card uh, a little bit more interesting, even if we're maybe purely talking purely from the in-ring right now with the uh, the character work seem like it's uh, it's still to come right now. Yeah, I mean, that match is obviously a mouth-watering match and certainly Osprey's biggest match so far. And yeah, and that should be an absolute cracker. But back to the character, I mean, it, it just for me seems like an odd choice for Osprey. I get that they're probably wanting sort of like an old-school English snob to a faction called the Empire, you know, harking back to sort of like the British Empire. But it just feels weird. Like you said, he doesn't maybe know his character and is he maybe the right fit for a character like that? I mean, I was listening to Steph Chase on your... Uh, on your live stream, Benno, and she echoed my <laughs> thoughts exactly with this character. I mean, with Osprey especially being from the Essex area, surely it would make more sense to have him sort of like be this new money and something more akin to sort of like Towie, but, you know, mm-hmm. rather than this old school snobby Brit sort of thing. But then with that play in Japan, you know, I can't imagine they've got any clue what Towie is over there. So I can't That's see good. where they're kind of going with that. But, I mean, Ian, certainly an interesting uh, dynamic for Osprey here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the first time he's really played, I'd say, a character as such. You know, he's had the, you know, the Jimmy Havoc sort of lent into some sort of fair in progress, but this is the first time he's had, like, proper, dare I say, almost like a WWF-style character kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also one thing, Jim G1, like, you know, we were talking about, you know, Zin Ring in general. He's only had about, what, 12 matches or so since he became a heavyweight? You know, your call, you know, back in January, February, when he won the title. It's only after Ben he officially became heavyweight, he's you know bolted up like we all have in lockdown. But in terms of like Zin Ring, I think the start for G1 was, wasn't bad, no, not no, wasn't off anything like that. But I was noticing a lot we was still trying to do his old routine, if you want to call him that, as a big guy, which you know it's the kind of thing just seems weird, you know, you're a heavy you know, junior guy trying to do your old stuff, I mean we saw of Shingo how doing that doesn't really work as much. You know, we've got to put a little bit more into stuff. Maybe the characters that you no know, alternative track for going down. Um, I mean, you know, we've got Okan in the in the unit right now, and you know, Okan losing from just first big match. Which, you know, how do you want to say that? I you know, something that's going to slot him in a certain role. Maybe. Uh, I mean, clearly, you know, him and Okada at the Tokyo Dome that. It's not main events, definitely going to be second off the top, I would say. And yeah, I think, you know, it's early days, but I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, let's say storyboard, but a lot of stuff we're going to just try and do and see what clicks. You know, I can't see Osprey doing the whole World Tag League tour with uh, Okan or sipping, you know, fizzy wine and drinks the whole time, but, um, you know, something's going to work. And you know, I guess, you know, this next tour. I think we're going to try a load of stuff, just try and find what's going to click with fans. So not the boo-off, because obviously we're not allowed to do much more than clap right now, but something which is going to you know, find a groove and is going to actually fit whatever this character is meant to be. I mean, um, he seemed to say, if I heard him right, that four more people are going to join him and O'Connor in that uh, promo with O'Connor. I mean, um, that you could speculate all day, but I mean, it seems there's a few people that maybe could be matched with him here, Ben. I mean, maybe you've got Robbie Eagles, they've had a 
you know, a tag team before connected in the past, you know, El Fantasmo, you know, the connection from Red Pro, Aussie Open, uh, you know, more left field, maybe bringing in Gideon Gray sort of type, but then that would take away all the promo time for Osprey. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see you come in. I'm, I'm sure you did, you did say in that promo, though, four more people to join him. Interesting. I didn't catch that, but that, that would make sense. They do need to, you know, fill this faction up. I know, you know, Dave Meltzer's talked about... Jeff Cobb being a likely person that was going to be, you know, involved in this. And, you know, it doesn't quite fit the Empire name, but, you know, he'd be a solid guy to, to have in your stable. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as the left left field names go, uh, I, I mean, Robbie Eagles feels maybe a bit of a lock. I think maybe show, up, show or yo, I think they could get either of them. Um, but as far as people from like this side of the world, if you want to keep with that that empire thing, I think we're all you know quietly hoping that Aussie, Aussie Open get their run in New Japan. Um, you know, I was fantasy booking it in my own brain. Well, what what if you know if Davis is fit again? Maybe maybe they get put in tag league, and sadly they haven't put in tag league. Although I think they've comfortably be one of, immediately one of the best teams in that tag league this year based on the uh, the current lineups. That's a bit of a disappointment. I was even hoping for Oku to maybe get a scooped up for the Super Juniors, but that hasn't happened either. So yeah, I wonder whether maybe we should temper our expectations too much about people coming in from. You know, quote unquote, our side of the world as much as an Aussie Open is from from our side of the world, and maybe it's going to be more those kind of lower card guys from New Japan um, who are going to be filling this up. But yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be difficult because it's hard to hard to really say a lot of a, a lot of the top talent in New Japan is uh, wrapped up in in other stables already, and a lot of it is kind of you know there'd be people who are maybe too big to to throw into a stable with a with an Osprey. Um, so yeah, I think it is going to be like the picks of you know the undercard like that, maybe the, the odd stragglers um, that you can bring in like a like a Robbie Eagles that that might uh, that might well fit this. Um, but yeah, it's again says says something. You know the the confidence they've got in Osprey that he's he's the he's going to be very much the top guy in this. And if anything, you know it's going to be his job to elevate whoever gets put in there. So yeah, I don't think uh, much says more about the uh, the confidence they've got in him right now than that. Ian, any uh, left field picks about who one of the, who could be part of Osprey's new faction? Um, I would have said Osprey, but Penals beat me to it. I know. Uh... Kyle Fletcher's gone pretty quiet on social media lately. Well, I've done the last few months, but maybe Short Romino. I know mm-hmm. all the young lines went back to Japan at the start of the pandemic, hence Khan in the unit. I don't know if Romino's uh, going to be too soon. Like, he only had, what, six months on his excursion over here before everything happened. So, I don't know. I mean, I, things I don't see, we've got obviously this X for the World Tag League. I'm thinking that's going to be Jeff Cobb. I don't mm-hmm. going to get any new names in match until potentially you know, the show's building up to Wrestle Kingdom next month. Yeah, it certainly will be interesting to see, um, you know, Osprey carrying this faction on his back and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that uh, Wrestle Kingdom match. But um, just as far as the GE1 goes, just to wrap things up, um, I mean, obviously a variety of factors there. We didn't quite reach the heights of previous years, you know, where uh, maybe New Japan fatigue on people's parts, rematches that we've seen before, but still um, a lot of, like, good stuff in there and obviously, you know, a worldwide pandemic affecting it. But, um, Benno, just as a, as a little wrap-up, how do you think Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr.'s G1s were as a whole? Yeah, I think I think Osprey, I think for him... He is the poster boy for this G1. It was, you know, like you said, with the with the no fans, um, and with maybe 
there being a ceiling on the matches. He really had a tournament where it was a lot of matches that I was expecting to be close to five stars turned out to be matches that were more close to four stars. Uh, and then I look back on it, really, and I don't think he had a particularly a weak match. I think, if anything, he was one of the more consistent people in the tournament, even if maybe my lofty expectations weren't met. I mean, if you're, if you're going to have a tournament where you'd have a match as good as that that Shingo match on day five, uh, the match he had with Ishii, I think that was day three, which, again, maybe stylistically wasn't the match I was expecting from them, but was still very good. He had my personal favourite match of the tournament uh, with Minoru Suzuki, um, and he just had a lot of very good matches. I don't think anywhere were great. I don't think... Really, I'm going to be thinking about too many of them for, for match of the year at the end of the year, with maybe an exception for that Suzuki match, just because I liked it so much personally as a style clash of somebody, you know, a Suzuki working over a body car pass and Osprey being forced to, you know, sell and sell very well um, as he did in that match. I think I like that stylistically, but, you know, headline wise, uh, maybe there wasn't anything that was like a, a five star match, and maybe that's what we all expected going in. So you can say it's a disappointment there, but all in all, I think he did well. And as far as Buchan goes, he came out as strong as you could expect him to come out of it without, you know, really ever being properly in contention for his block. Um, Zach Saber Jr., on the other hand, he tried his best, God love him. Um, but it was who he was in there with. It was that uh, that B block. But I can't say he wasn't, you know, a, a highlight uh, of the tournament right through. You know, he was a highlight in the early stages. He, you know, he had a couple of you know good matches. You know, the, the Tanahashi match near the end, the the Naito match. Um, you know, there are matches that are. The, the matches that are going to stick out as, as as good matches and as memories, you know, as as Yano match, um, as much as maybe I didn't enjoy the rematch at Power Struggle, that was, you know, as far as Yano matches go, that was particularly memorable too. Um, but I think with Zack Sabre Jr., he kind of fell into maybe that pack of uh, of three-star matches that we, we got out of the B block and that block, for me, never really got out of the gate. So it's probably reflected um, in Zach Tor- Zach's tournament, really. So I think for him, like, the main thing for me is going to be hopeful that maybe he gets uh, put in the uh, in the in the brighter block next year and gets to mix it up with a, a few more interesting people than he did this year. And moving away from New Japan and onto Germany, obviously WXW um, hasn't had much play on this show in the past few months, but it would be remiss of us having you on here and not to... Uh... Not to catch up, obviously you review uh, quite a lot of WXW and what they've been doing over the past couple of months. Um, but I mean, what's been what's been going on in Germany during the pandemic? Yes, I mean, from the WXW front, they've pretty much run only one show since uh, 16 Carat Gold in March. They did an outdoor show in the town of Kuttenholz in August. Everything else since then, or like the regular shows, they've been cancelled. Uh, the next one on the bill is February, which that in the, there's question marks about that. Obviously, 16 carat gold next year, massive question marks. They would, they would admit them themselves. You know, 1,500 fans inside the turbine hall, like we had what eight months ago. That is not going to happen. Uh, you know, with no first weekend in March 2021. So we'll see if that's a new venue, a new date, or just you know, flat out cancelled for 2021. Uh, what they have been doing, though, they managed to tape some shows uh, for well, brought back the shotgun uh, TV format. Uh, they taped stuff in the Steffi, so anyone's been over to Germany for Coward Weekends, it's the little nightclub on the arse end of the Turbine Hall. Um, I think Ben, you were at the Western Deutschland shows a few years back, as much as we wanted to get mm-hmm. those same building we were on those in. Um, and they've taped uh, two seasons of Shotgun 2020, the shortcut to the top, 
kind of like Royal Rumble show. And at the moment, we're about three weeks into the Cottage Grand Prix. Um, one a couple of key things, I'd say. No WWE guys have been on these shows. So um, Alexander Wolf, he won the shotgun title as Carrot. Pretty much had to vacate the belt through a pre-tape promo. Um, Oliver Carter was on the first series of Shotgun as a face and an iPad, not been on since. Amal's been pre-tape promos and what have you. Uh, so anyone with WWE contracts, nowhere near in ring for this, which I guess to be expected given how WWE is with these things. Um, main storylines have been telling, it's not, they've not just been doing matches, they have been threading storylines into these shows. So, uh, Metahan used to be lucky kid until uh, 16 Carol Gold. He won a tight uh, tournament to win Bacon Shotgun title. Uh, he's got his goons from Bedward, Abdul and I touch. Uh, Azel, they debuted a carrot as well. They've been working alongside Bobby Guns, the Pretty Bastards, and Norman Harris, almost like a mob kind of mentality. Um, like, you know, two heel champions running, doing favors for each other to keep their spots. Um, so far, it's worked out. You know, Bobby Gunn's still champion, obviously. Uh, Medhan won and retained the shotgun title. Uh, the other, and I think, yeah, for that particular thing, it's leading to something in the final week of the Qatar Grand Prix, which we'll touch on in a moment. Um, the other storyline we had was around the Dubai Tag Team title. So, coming out of uh, Carrot, um, Absolute Andy and Jay Skillet were the tag champs. Jay Skills couldn't get into Germany for the first series of shotgun tapings. Um, so they ended up doing like a mystery partner thing for Absolute Andy. Unfortunately, at least in terms of the way the storyline played out, speaking out happened. And we can only assume the partner that Andy picked was Julian Pace, who with Skills was from Jake Siles from the company. They showed literally the final three seconds of the tag match, which Pretty Bastards won. Um, you know, we've not said in, we've not shown Julian Pace since then. Uh, since all that's happened with Shotgun, uh, Pretty Bastards lost the tag titles to a new pairing, Fast Time Mudo and Stephanie Mays. Um, if you're wondering why they're doing intergender stuff, you know, I guess for cave reason and for a real reason, they just simply don't have enough women to do you know, any kind of varied women's division with. Um, actually, something else I know. With some of the uh, like the schedule as well, but may as well touch on this as well. Um, Absolute Andy has kind of stepped out for ring three, he's done one or two matches on Shotgun. He has he was named as the guess, interim sporting director, uh, replacing Carson Beck. Now, at the time when the start of Shotgun series, they had you know shuffled him out for one bit of word because of the pandemic. You know, being a you know, someone who had been shielding, unfortunately, because well, things about a month ago, Carson Beck did sadly pass away as a result of his uh, uh, brain tumors. I think it was uh, brain cancer. Um, so yeah, it's watching back the first shock and where they introduced Absolute Dandies for GM, sports uh, director Beck Pardon, and just stuff they said around then to introduce them and the way some of the key characters were in that. It kind of hits them a little bit differently, you know, now what's happened's happened, you know. But, um, yeah, so the other key story, I'd say, we had uh, Norman Haas against Avalanche throughout the whole of Series 2, which culminated in a cinematic match. 
I know your mileage will vary on those kinds of things. I personally loved the hell out of this one. They taped like a 20-minute match at the WXW Academy, going through like the office department and obviously the wrestling school bit. Um, you know, a lot of callbacks of people who'd watched the stories. And all of this, the second series at least, is on the WWE Network. So we've managed to get some more eyeballs on this, um, whether it's you know, people converging into buying the WXW uh, Now service, wait and see. But yeah, at the moment, what they're doing now is Catch Grand Prix. Um, I touched on this earlier. It's a bit like what WWE's done with the Heritage Cup. So it's a round system. They're doing five three-minute rounds, one fall to a finish, and they're doing the old European uh, no, yellow and red card gimmick. So if you, you know, low blows, punches, what have you, you get a yellow card. Three of those, thread card, you disqualified. Um, way of doing this is they're releasing this one match a day. So I think they start on October 26th, and this is going to wrap up in December. So it's a very long-term thing. And originally, this was planned to replace the World Tag Team Festival uh, last month. So, yeah, they, they didn't scrap the format. They kept it. Um, yeah, releasing a match a day, you get seven weeks of daily WXW, which is a bit of an ask for quite a lot of people, I'd say. Yeah, but um, obviously you've gone across to these uh, shows, haven't you? I mean, um, have you have you had a chance to catch any of this stuff, where, what Ian's going on? Because obviously WXW have sort of like carried on, and obviously Germany up until recently have been quite loose with the, uh, a, a lot a lot looser in terms of, um, you know, their numbers have been a lot lower than they have in the UK. And so, they, you know, WXW have had a chance to record sort of like more of these shows and things, haven't they? Yeah, they have, and they've been very responsible with it all, and they've been very, you know, they've been upfront. I think, you know, no one's really expecting Carrot to be, you know, Carrot uh, next March, and they're, they're straightforward about that. They'll tell you, you know, what the A option is, what the B option is, and what's, you know, what's likely, and they're going to, you know, make a decision based on, you know, whether it'll be a, a smaller Carrot or whether it'll be, you know, just shifted to uh, to later on in the year. Uh, they're being very good about that and very upfront. Um, yeah, good. And you know, again, as as numbers have gone up and as restrictions have gone up in Germany, they've they've moved with it. You know, and they've they've used the academy um, at times to tape stuff. And then when it's, they've not been able to, they've they, they've shut down and they've they've followed the rules there as far as that goes. But no, I've got to be honest, I haven't had a chance really to catch up with too much of this stuff. I think that idea of releasing a match a day I mean I don't know if that's easier or harder for you Ian as the, the hardest work and reviewer in European wrestling to do but from a fan point of view that's a that's the tough ask for me and um, to to you know dedicate that time each evening even if you, you might say well they're coming out in bite-sized chunks so in a way that's easier I don't know I don't feel like there's a there's a huge amount of interest um out there for it as a result I'm not other than you know uh, yourself and I'm not hearing a, a huge amount of talk uh, about this and I am interested I'm interested in what they're doing with Bobby Guns I'm interested you know I was a big critic of of how they've handled lucky kid uh, in the past and you know how they're going to make you know this cursed lucky kid run at WXW work with, you know, as soon as they, as soon as they, they turned him and gave him the new gimmick, you know, we were in a pandemic um, and they couldn't really capitalize on that. Um, so I am interested in, you know, how, how they capitalize on that going forward and whether they can, you know, put some juice behind the, the likes of him. But yeah, at the end of the day with a, with a diminished roster and with an, an uncertain kind of future and this weird, release schedule uh i don't know if it's the it's the biggest recipe really for for creating a, a lot of interest outside of maybe uh, the hardcores in germany 
Yeah, I think by the time we get to the final, I mean, the last week, we've been doing a storyline, um, Bobby Guns, Metahan. So basically, what the gimmick we're doing is everyone's had to pay so much to get in, and the winner gets cut prize pots. Um, Metahan lost his first match, and his whole crusade, for one better word, is he wants to win the tournament, win the money, you know, you know provide for his family, which, you know, basic wrestling storytelling, there you go. But, mm-hmm. yeah, the whole thing of, you know, Metahan, his guys have done favors Bobby Guns, you know, they you know, beat a uh, tag title challenge, they pretty much kept any kind of competition away from Guns. What we're doing here, at least from what we've done so far, is Metahan's calling his favor in. Whether that actually pans out, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you just look at the blocks they've got. I mean, this isn't any slight in anybody who's, you know, taking part. I mean, you know, Block A, have got um, Bobby Guns, Metahan, Avalanche, Hector Invictus, Fast Time Moodle, Anil Murik, who I think he's only, he's only been wrestling last year. I mean, I was over there for their anniversary show last year, and so his debut match the next day. So he's been, you know, not even been wrestling here, and he's already doing, like, this kind of round-robin tournament. And you know, Block A topped off Cowan Wand. I wouldn't say they've retconned this coward thing, but for the longest time in Shotgun, he was literally a passing force. Like I mentioned how, oh yeah, he won coward, but he's not here, so forget about him. Well, they've managed to mm-hmm. get more before the weekend in September to take this. Uh, Block B, uh, got Emil Satoshi, Mario Salani, uh, Senza Volto, who you know, I think you'll know Martin more from uh, Southside for yeah. a while. Um, Prince who used to be one of the tag champs, uh, Tristan Archer, who was in the Cruiserweight Classic many years back, plus Vincent Heisenberg and Norman Harris. So they've got a mixture of some experienced faces, quite a lot of guys who are maybe new or you know, not quite as experienced. And I think the thing is, you know, we you know, were talking about the G1 before, and you had, you know, in looking at those blocks, you know, you had you know, maybe Yoshihashi and Yujo were the guys who stuck out to soften than not having the experience or the or dare I say the expertise. And this is almost your way around. Like you've got maybe one or two guys who are experienced and seasoned in each block. And you've got a lot of matches between guys who are you know, still finding their feet, I'd say. I mean, the matches aren't horrible, but the same point I'd say is whereas the you know, the NXT UK Heritage Cup is doing where someone goes one up it's equalized but it ends two one, this being the usual one fall to finish thing. Is what's happening is you're getting a lot more back and forth. You're still getting the breaks in the flow, but they are actually telling stories in each match. And it's not just for, oh, who doesn't want to lose first? Well, now I've got to fight and get it back, that kind of thing. Um, you know, the best two matches I'd say so far have probably both been Noirs, which I don't know if that say, no, says anything. Uh, the match which went out uh, yesterday's recording race against Avalanche, I'd say it's probably one of the best we've had in the tournament so far. But yeah, the way they're releasing this in, you know, say half hour chunks every night and uh, two and a half hour VOD every week um, I would say this, you're probably not going to get people really watching this closely it's maybe going to be about fine week you're going to start seeing interest ramping up you know, potentially about Bobby Guns uh, Meta Hand Match and then or whatever they do for final you know, couple weeks before Christmas you see him maybe like pushing Carrot back. I know it's usually that uh, March weekend, and I know uh, you're trying to do over there, Benno. Can you maybe see him pushing it back to the summer or something like that? 
I think that's the most likely outcome. Like I've got, I've still got it penciled in in my annual leave uh, diary and work as a potential weekend, but the closer we get to March, the the, the less likely that's seeming. Uh, like I say, I think that they're, they're the the options, aren't they? And they've laid that out. It's either run a reduced one, which would likely just be, you know, German natives from both from a wrestler and a fan's point of view, if you can have fans at that point, um, versus moving it later in the year and trying to do a big show later in the year. I think that's probably the play, I think, to, to move it later in the year. It's still risky. You know, we all said that about WrestleMania, didn't we, last year? You know, why why are they doing it in an empty arena? Why don't they wait for the for the, for the end of the year? How, how naive did we all look in the end with that? Um, I suppose with this uh, potential, um, you know, for us to, to have a, maybe a bit of a more stable uh, situation next year, um, that, that it could happen um, and, and they, they could run later in the year. Maybe the risk is a, is a little bit more reasonable now um, with, with us all, you know, potentially uh, being able to, to, to maybe do, do things a little bit more normal, normal this time next year. But... Yeah, it's it's a hard one, really. What you do when you're in that remote, in that situation, carrot weekend is it's about the fly-ins, both from you know, for selfishly as a as a fan, you know, being able to to fly in as a as a foreigner, but mostly you know to bring in big names. I don't think they built carrot up so much that it's not really carrot without that. So I think that's really your only option. Um, but you know, it's 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 nice that, that you know they're keeping things ticking along so far, and similar to Red Pro, you know, there's not a lot of uh, other avenues for them to make money. So you know, as soon as soon as they can, and for the little periods that they can, they'll be using the training school to to get lots of tapings in, encouraging the fact that you know they managed to bring in a a car and OR, and you know, I suppose you can at least bring in smaller names like that and do things with them if they are only coming in for a couple of days worth of tapings and yeah i think this is probably going to be wxw for the next while just uh keeping things ticking along as best they can um and waiting for a direction from the german government i think they're in the, the same position that a lot of promotions across the world are and obviously Ian fetched up a really sad passing of carsten beck then but um yeah it was a really tough month for uh for wrestlers passing away obviously we had the, the sad news about wrestling legend Tracy Smothers, who passed away from uh, lymphoma at the age of 58. Um, obviously, Tracy's most famous stateside for his tag team, the Southern Boys, and he was obviously a great influence on uh, a number of US wrestlers. We had tons and tons of tributes being paid to him um, over social media by a variety of wrestlers. Um, over closer to home, he did a number of tours over here in the UK. I mean, he appeared all over ICW, FreeCW, WXW, and then uh, closer to me in Doncaster at 1PW, and... Um, I don't know your thoughts of 1PW. I've still got great memories of seeing him there with his uh, tag partner, Chris Hamrick. Uh, no matter the opponents, the match would last two minutes before he got on the mic and said if he heard their opponent's name chanted, he'd be really mad or commit mega mass murder homicide. And, uh, and of course, <laughs> the dance offs where the divorce rate in Doncaster would go up once he took his shirt off. And um, yeah, just always a lot of fun and always guaranteed to get a crowd into a match, uh, no matter the opponents. And uh, I always really, really enjoyed seeing Trace Smothers. I've seen him about uh, four or five times on those 1PW shows. Um, I mean, Benno, any memories of Tracy in the UK or just in, in general? of um, Obviously, a lot of outpouring of emotion for him um, the past couple of weeks. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, nothing but positive things about him, don't you? And it's as much from the fans as it is from the wrestlers. Like, that seems to be his legacy, doesn't it? Rather than, I mean, obviously, 
very good wrestler in ring with you know fun runs like you know the Wild Wild Southern Boys and you know what he you know what he's done in you know certain territories uh, across the world really because he's been everywhere like you know from from a Smoky Mountain uh, you know to runs in Japan to a run in ECW. But that is the main thing you hear. It's from fans and wrestlers about what a great person he was and what a great person he was to have backstage. Like, you know, indie wrestlers in the US and the you nothing but just rave about him. You know, he's had a he's clearly had an influence on that, you know, that CM Punk, Chris Hero, kind of the generation over stateside. And yeah, I think people forget, as you say there, he had a little bit of influence over here in the in the UK scene, you know, uh, maybe not a, a, as big, but you're right. Anybody who went to those one PW shows talks about him. Um British guys who, you know, who work with him, you know, in the one PW days do nothing but talk about him. Like he even did a, you know, a, he did the one shot in, in GPW where I used to wrestle. It was like the it was basically the month before I took up training there and ended up wrestling there and probably killed the territory. But you know, he was uh, uh the fact that I can say I was wrestling in the same ring as Tracy Smothers only a few months after after he'd wrestled there is just crazy. Like and he's only what, ten years from his Raw run then. It was like 2006 odd uh, when that happened. Then he was he was on Raw in 1986. He was on ECW, you know, in, uh, in the in the very, very early 2000s. Like, just think of the, 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 the mileage um, that he's kind of covered uh, as a wrestler. And yeah, you know, anyone who was there, that you know, that, that one show that he did in Wigan for GPW, people still talk about it now. The Tracy going out there, doing his dance-off, uh, like you say there at 1PW. With it was Dirk Feelgood at GPW, and then going to the merch table and in his bootleg Stone Cold Steve Austin and the oh, yeah, best of because yeah. like because of course he was you know he was, he was a worker through and through like was there was there anybody who like sum, summarizes you know really the you know we we get a lot of negatives when we talk about like wrestlers and you know older school wrestlers but I think a lot of the the positives or the the funny side of uh, of that kind of old school. Maybe Carney's strong, but that kind of work uh, you get from when you when you think about Tracy Smothers, yeah. So I think he probably left as much of an impression on the uh, the fans at merch tables when he was over here for that brief period as, uh, as he did the wrestlers in the ring and his actual work in the ring too. Ian, have you got any uh, memories? Did you manage to see him at uh, any of the shows he came over to in the UK? Yeah, so the, the, the thing's first year of one PW, I was somewhat regular there. Um, yeah. Very fond memories of the Ultimate Mass Homicide. If anyone says Tracy sucks, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Never ran into the merch tables, mind. So you know, I don't know if it was uh, a loss or, you know, cut my fortunes there. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Kit was over here, who had a you know, big reputation, the fact that, you know, you had cars for one PW, you know, a lot of the, you know, the in vogue names, you know, the AJ Styles, you know, Christian Cages, the base, you know, the big TNA guys, small job at the time and all that. But still, while the matches he had weren't you know, the five-star blowaway classics, it's one of the guys he remembered every night and just shows that you know you can do all the flips and all that, but you know there's always going to be place for you know his his kind of you know working with fans and to a frenzy on the mic, you know kind of a lost start you reckon. Oh yeah, definitely, and um, yeah, now you know it was a, a formula he had down, and it, and it always got over with fans every single time. So yeah, he'll, he'll definitely be missed, um, but. Someone closer to home now, and obviously we had the really sad news of the passing of Ryan Smile this past month um, after a, a long battle with mental health. Uh, he passed away at the age of 31. Um, I mean, although he'd been off the scene for the past year or so, I mean, he was a big part of promotions such as Southside, Red Pro and Attack and 
obviously he was heavily involved with OTT in their early days. I mean, I think he even designed their logo. I mean, I've got fond memories of seeing him in Southside, and obviously everyone remembers that huge dive over the turnbuckle became one of his signatures. But, um, I mean, Benno, um, 31, is, is way too young to, to be passing away. Yeah, that that is the the tragedy of the situation. A dad as well, you know, uh, thirty one, um, absolutely devastating. And you could see the effect that he, you know, had um, on his close friends, the likes of you know, an Osprey took it quite badly, and you know, other people that you saw coming out with uh, with, with memories of him, and just generally just a, a wave of sadness. You know, you know, we talked, you know, we were. View Rev Pro earlier, and I thought that was particularly touching. Uh, Andy Wilden's tribute to him um, before that show, basically saying, you know, as far as like an in-ring wrestler goes, it was, you know, sad that you he didn't get to you know work elsewhere or work on on bigger stages, and that's the main thing, really. Um, obviously, it was divisive uh, in some ways for the out of the ring stuff, but I, personally, I don't know how much that matters when a a 31 year old dad dies. Um, I think it's just really, really awful story, um, and I think. You know, people are going to be clinging to those memories of of seeing him in the likes of RevPro and you know all of the you know the Uptown Funkers stuff uh, with Osprey and you know that that running OTT. You know uh, when he when he made his return to um, obviously short lived uh, return to OTT earlier this year. Uh, sorry, OTT, yeah, TNT. Um, when he when he turned up there and looked like he was going to be making a bit of a comeback. Uh, I remember at the time tweeting a photo of it and you know the the, the reaction. From the Irish side was unbelievable. Like the the, the OTT fans had a real, real soft spot smile, um, and I think a lot of people are going to be uh, will have been thinking about those memories this this uh, this last month or so. Uh, and yeah, you know, um, again, I think the biggest thing there is again that it's a it's a thirty one year old, um, and it's just no age, and it's just a a really 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 sad story. Yeah, Ian, any um, thoughts and memories of Ryan Smile? I mean, he was, you know, for a while he was kind of fixtured with those cockpit shows. I mean, he had a very brief run of the Cruiserweight Championship there, but yeah, all I can do is echo what Benno says, you know, 31, no age. I mean, I didn't realise he was a father until you know, the news passed, the news broke, until the news broke. It's like, you know, ev- you know, everyone's going through something different, you know, whether they broadcast on social media or keep it themselves. You know, I guess just the kind of thing, you know, it's easy to, you know, I don't want to say make fun of Easter, you know, point to stuff that's happened on, you know, yeah, he's, he's not made any favours himself in the past, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, unbearably sad. Obviously, as uh, thoughts go out to his, his family and friends, and, um, but I mean, moving on from that and on to, um, on to pack because obviously he's been away for uh, for months now and uh, made his return to AEW this week in a segment with Eddie Kingston and the Lucha Brothers. Uh, I mean, uh, we'll see him make his in-ring return next week against the Blade, but um, Benno, AEW has been great the past month or so, but Pac's always a welcome addition back to the fold, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, how good was that Beyond Gorilla video um, for him like, uh, a couple of weeks ago? Um, you know, I think we all kind of thought he'd be coming back. Um, we didn't quite think he was going to be the uh, the payoff to Tony Khan's balance, shift in the balance of power tweet. Uh, I don't really think it, it, it changed the balance of power in wrestling. But maybe it did, uh, as uh, as Khan has explained since. In AEW, maybe, in, from a kayfabe point of view, it changes the balance of power with the Eddie Kingston thing. But yeah, he's, he's been missed. You know, uh, you know, I said before, you know, we, you know, we were talking when we were talking about Walt 
Really, yeah. Not many candidates for, for, for match of the year. Well, you know, pack back in an AW. If you can put more matches together like that, Kenny Omega match, um, then, you know, we'll, we could well have, you know, some candidates coming from him. I think he's going to be a, a huge boon to the uh, the top of the card in, in AW. And there's an actual story there as well uh, with the Eddie Kingston thing, with Eddie Kingston maybe taking over stewardship of, uh, of Phoenix and Pentagon, sort of talking his way into this role at the top of the card. And now, now Pac's back and Dynamite goes off the air with, with, with Pac and Eddie Kingston doing a pull-apart brawl this week. Like, what does that tell you about how crazy this this year has been? Um, so, yeah, it did feel like as restrictions got lifted a little bit, uh, um, that, you know, maybe it, it was going to come. I didn't really expect it to come right in the middle of, of lockdown. I thought we might be waiting to maybe the first part of next year before we see Pac back in AEW. But, yeah, he's someone who gets kind of forgotten as one of the uh, the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, um, and I think, yeah, he'll be he'll be itching to go, uh, and he will add a lot to those AEW cards. So, yeah, definitely uh, great to see him back. And, yeah, unlike a lot of the wrestlers we've seen who've, uh, who've disappeared over the last few months, came back in tremendous shape as well. Looked like he hadn't uh, he hadn't skipped a day in the gym despite lockdown. So yeah, hugely hyped to uh, to see more of Pack and AW towards the end of the year and uh, and into next year. Let's hope he's uh, he but he get he stays near the top of the car where he belongs over there. Yeah, Ian, not quite the, uh, you know, as uh, Tony Khan was hyping it up and he certainly got a lot of flack for that. But um, yeah, fantastic uh, team come back and um, the pull apart with Eddie Kingston. Yeah, I mean, Tony's... Um... Still a bit new for wrestling promotion stuff, so yeah. <laughs> we'll a few things out of town. But yeah, I mean, it's obvious. You know, we're going to do you know Pack and Eddie Kingston, which you know, if you'd said that what two years ago, you know, I how many people have been hyped up? But Eddie Kingston's been had a really great run in AEW. Hell, he's had a really great twenty twenty, despite everything that's gone on. Uh, Eddie Kingston, Pack, mm. whenever they do that, you no, know, I've got every faith it's going to be a pretty good match at the very least. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just something we saw, you know, NXT as well. You know, uh, Pete Dunne, Tony Storm seem to have taken the route through Mexico into the States. So clearly, you know, it's been proven there is a way into America for you know, anyone who can't necessarily get in through Europe, so to say. Um, yeah, uh, Pac getting back. You no, know, it's, uh, it's against it's the Blade of a Butcher next week, one of those two. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to be uh, you know a long epic or anything like that. But you know, reestablishing Pack and you know, it's come the right time. You no, know, we haven't got another pay per view for three months, so plenty of time to heat him up again. And you no, know, whatever they do, whether he's straight in the title picture afterwards, or they'll be waiting, you no know, blow off uh, Pack and Kingston on the next pay per view in February. But um, yeah, a more than welcome return for the lad from Newcastle. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah, because obviously their next pay-per-view is in February, so like you say, um, you know, plenty of time to build up um, a storyline for him and, uh, and get him into a big match. But um, this last story before we get out of it, because obviously following on from last month's article and video with Millie McKenzie and um, other female British wrestlers, the BBC um, posted a video and article with Nadia Sapphire who described... How at 15, she was drawn into an intimate relationship with an older wrestler, and she went on to say in the article how she, you know, it initially made her feel special, but now looking back, um, you know, she can see that she was groomed and felt that she had no one to turn to once a relationship had ended. And, um, Benno, obviously, it's never easy to read this stuff, but good that this isn't getting forgotten about and uh, getting a big platform like the BBC to uh, showcase these stories. Yeah, that's it. Similar to last month in that maybe, you know, 
we would have welcomed these stories, you know, June or July. But the fact that it's still coming and the fact that, you know, it's being covered by, you know, not no bigger than the BBC is absolutely a good thing. And yeah, you know, read that story again with a heavy heart, you know, uh, the bravery of a of an Adia Sapphire to come out and, and to and to tell her story, knowing she's gonna get people coming out of the woodwork to try and discredit her or say things about her because of the you know the line of work she's she's in now um but none of that matters what matters is you know the story that she told about heartbreaking story about being a teenager and about basically you know wrestles in the wrestling school she was in in uh, in wales basically circling the wagons and just you know the, the level of that kind of abuse i'm sure i think the, the bravery of a, of a of a nadia coming forward with a story like this is that you know she's telling this story so that you know some other girls unfortunately don't have to because she won't be the only one you know this won't this as we learned over the summer isn't an isolated story there'll be plenty of similar stories with similar girls we saw you know a uh, millie mckenzie uh, on the bbc not long ago as well telling her story too so yeah a good thing to you know as hard as i'm sure it is for a, for a young woman like her to tell the story a good thing that it's out there a good thing that you know the appg is still running in the background and that you know the pr- pressure stays on uh with this story and that yeah you know speaking out not being forgotten is hugely important and i think it's really important that you know the promotions are kept on their toes and the once we do start running shows again you know uh, at some point next year properly with fans and the like uh that these stories aren't forgotten and that the pressure stays on and yeah a big story from from the likes of the bbc here i think that can that can only really do good things yeah i think that's the main thing isn't it making sure these stories aren't forgotten and you know um you know, everyone's doing right by these people who've had to go through these things and who, who've been brave enough to speak up. But, I mean, staying with speaking out, um, Ian, because Dave Meltzer reported that Marty Scale is still with ROH, but um, he's no longer going to be booking the company. Um, and he's also recently resurfaced on his Instagram account. I mean, as far as speaking out goes, Martin was, Marty was allegedly involved in a, a very harrowing uh, account that um, a lot of us all read on Twitter. Um I mean, do you think we're going to see Marty back in ROH? And, and more importantly, I mean, should we come, you know, with all these stories coming out? So, I mean, I know there's been speculation, which, you know, he's not in America anymore. Um, I think right now, given, if I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, did he, he admit to a version of the accusations, I guess you could say, to cover all bases? Personally, if, you know, Ring one haven't commented either way. You know, they kind of let the story fade away, which, yeah, we've seen well, a lot. They say uh, they were doing an investigation, didn't they, uh, a few months ago into it, I think. I think that's about 100 days old now, which, yeah. you know, and, mm. okay, I'm not saying want a you know, full-blown statement from Ring of Honor, but the fact that they've done a, you know, an investigation when Matt's just gone cold. Um, if he's still contracted, I guess you'd say, then I guess, you know, if he's going to work anywhere else, it's got to go through them to some degree. But the way that I've got, and you no, know, in fact, rumour that he's back in the UK holds any water. You no, know, speculation Retro may be thinking about using him, which you no, know, the flack that they've been getting just for having Will Osprey on the show, and you no, know, the allegations were thrown his way. If um, Hardy Skull turns upon you no know, epic encounters, whatever. Um, yeah, but it'd be a brave, brave man to even think about using him, especially considering he's, as like I say, admitted to a version of those accusations. Um, yeah, I don't really see if there's any way people can use him, nor should he be used until he, no, at least, not saying no, not, uh, no, no, not, not completely exiled, but 
there should be at least some degree of atonement and just saying, oh, yeah, this happened, but it was consensual or whatever. No, to me, that's not atoning and certainly not uh, reparations for what he's admitted to have done. Yeah, but no, I mean, um, Ring of Honor did come out and say they were investigating into it, but like in nowadays, it's all it all went quiet, and that was you know ages ago now, and it, it just seems like uh, a lot of these promotions were releasing these statements when it was you know in the in the thick of it, and now sort of like seemingly forgotten about it. Yeah, that's it. I think you know Ring of Honor have got form for this type of thing. I'm sure with the the you know the bully ray and the fan incident last mm-hmm. year, it was a similar thing. There's an investigation, and then you don't hear anything. Uh, you'd think there'd be an update, wouldn't you? Um, you know, I, to be honest, I expected Ring of Honor to hold the nose and continue to use them. Um, I think their their outlook was going to be well. You know, we admitted to you know uh, relations with a with a girl who was 16. That's legal in the UK. Therefore, we're going to continue using Marty Scale, or they're going to continue using him backstage, or they're going to continue using him. You know, even as a wrestler. Um, so it has actually surprised me a little bit that they they haven't, um, you know, based on based on maybe uh, you know Ring of Honor um, and their their previous uh, outlook on uh, on things like this. Um, but yeah, I think Marty's going to be like uh, a lot of people uh, coming out of the woodwork. Jack Gallagher resurfaced on Instagram, uh, and there's other wrestlers uh, who were implicated in speaking out. Uh, you know, with with even more serious accusations who are either wrestling right now or have turned up on Instagram and the like. And like we've said from the start, the only thing fans can really do is vote with the wallets. Uh, I don't really give any chance of them. I think based on Andy Quilden's comments on that Will Cooling podcast, I don't think Marty's coming back to, to Rev Pro anytime soon. I don't think he get eaten. I mean, he was already not working in Britain anyway. I don't think now's the time to return. Um, I could see potentially him popping up in Japan. You know, we talked about Osprey faction earlier and didn't really want to say it, but, you know, wouldn't shock me um, if he slotted into that. Uh, if New Japan, you know, had, had eyes on using him uh, again in future and weren't particularly concerned with the backlash they got in there in this side of the world. But, yeah, I think we probably, you know, as much as, you know, as fans uh, and fans rightly have, uh, have put the pressure on in, in cases like this, we're going to see, you know, uh, more people coming out uh, into the back into the, the limelight and, he will resurface somewhere at some point. I'm pretty confident about that. And it's just a matter of, yeah, as fans and as people covering this stuff, uh, how we deal to uh, to deal with it at that point. And like I said, there's only one way we can we can really make a stand on stuff like that. And as to you know, to speak loudly and to and to vote with our wallets. So yeah, unfortunately, I think it's it's probably going to come to that. And I think yeah, uh, we're probably all going to have to vote with our own consciences uh, consciousness when it when it comes. Yeah, so I mean, the thing with the Ring of Honor sort of like statement that he makes he's not just like you know he's not just a wrestler you know he's got a very prominent role in the company so you think that they would be you know giving more stuff out and, and you know keeping people informed and being more transparent but it just goes that you know it, it seems on the surface you know most wrestling companies just want it to go away so they can get along with business but hopefully you know like you say there you know if we if enough people vote with their wallets and things these things won't just go away but um well, before we head out of here, uh, I just wanted to have a, a little and finally story because um, after years of watching SummerSlam 92 and seeing the kid at the start of the tape saying British Bulldog is going to win whether he wants to or not and, you know, <laughs> internet fans wondering what happened to this kid. Well, it turns out this kid's been found and has been quite embarrassed by all the attention this clip's been getting over the years and in even bigger shock, but no, it, it's not a boy. It seems it was a girl all along. You know what? There was a, there was a point where on the UK fan forum where like I think 
we, we had like a thread where people were trying to track down British Bulldog kids. I do actually remember someone going, what if it's a girl? And it blew my <laughs> mind at the time. But you think about it, you know, British Bulldog's going to win kid kind of, you know, it was always kid, wasn't it? Um, it was never, it was never boy. Uh, I think the, the uh, I think the outfit, the pink, might have been the giveaway. Uh, you know, everyone will, everyone will recognise it. That pink tracksuit and the uh, is it a boss man hat yeah, uh, that they're wearing? Yeah. yeah, but you know, uh, yeah, I suppose uh, it being the early nineties fashion, being what it was, it's uh, it was hard to say. And yeah, we maybe uh, a lot of us been wrong over the years uh, talking about that fan. But I don't know if you were the same as me, Martin, as a kid. You know, always maybe laugh that clip. British Bulldog's going to win whether he wants to or not. Surely he gets to, surely he gets to decide whether he wins, or surely <laughs> whether he wants to is, is not really a, a concern here. Uh, but I don't know. Kid there at SummerSlam, uh, head deck to toe in, in, in merch, and you know, getting to be on a on a WWF tape. Uh, I was always jealous as a kid. So yeah, no, I'm glad to know uh, that the person behind it finally got to know the uh, the, the extent of uh, the fame there and the fact that they've basically been a meme. <laughs> For these last 30 years uh, yeah it's uh, it's definitely a memory we've all got and it's definitely uh, nice that uh, at least the person knows now uh, that this uh, this infamous moment in, uh, in British wrestling history I think someone even released like um, an action figure or something like that um, I can't remember who it was and I think that's how it all came out and stuff so yeah hilarious that uh, this uh Kid that we've all uh, enjoyed watching SummerSlam '92 uh, with this faux American accent as a uh, finally being found. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ian, it's been great having you on the show this month, and uh, obviously we've referenced your uh, writing and things like that in the show quite a bit uh, for Fall 1 and Back Body Joe. Always enjoy reading the articles and, and the reviews and thing, things like that. Always um, a, a great site to, to go to, especially backbodydrop.com. But, um, but um, sort of like what sort of things have you got coming out um, in the next couple of weeks and uh, what things have you been working on uh, the past month or so? So next, well, until middle of December, We'll be doing the Kata Grand Prix match a day when that comes up. Obviously, New Japan World Tag League uh, Best Super Junior starts Sunday. Um, I was planning on doing, I think it was uh, Black Label Pro's uh, Slam shows next weekend. They've just been cancelled. So, mm. yeah, I think for the rest of the year, it'll be WXW, uh, whatever New Japan runs as we head towards Tokyo Dome. The um, Pro Epic Encounter this weekend. And whatever else indie shows you know, are able to run in what's left of the year. Um, yeah, you can find that over backbodydrop.com, uh, phone1mania.com slash wrestling. And literally plug on Twitter at Ian Wrestling as well if you want to give me a follow on there. Great stuff. And um, I mean, Benno, you, you, you mentioned it before. You ran your first um, video live uh, podcast over, uh, over Twitch um, this past Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Um, we we did that on Sunday, and you know we had some mixed fortunes for the first hour as we tried to work out the the, uh, the gremlins with the uh, the technology as a, as Rev Pro found as well. But the uh, the edited cleaned up version is available as a podcast, uh, grappled.podbean.com, where we uh, we did our uh, AW Full Gear review and also reviewed uh, Power Struggle with uh, with the great Stephanie Chase joining us for that. Um, there's also our New Japan Roundtable uh, that we did. Uh, first time I got to sit down with the uh, the Pharrells and uh, and Sarah Flan. Uh, 
uh, along with JP taking on host duties for that one. So we did a bit of a, a G1 wrap-up uh, on our round table uh, show this month. And also, yeah, for fans of, uh, of post-wrestling and uh, Up Next particularly, I'm going to be doing a Up Next Patreon feed at the uh, the end of this month. Uh, me, Braden and Davey are going to be looking at uh, the best of Samoa Joe's uh, title run in, uh, in Ring of Honor over uh, 2004 mainly, uh, with a little bit of a visit to 2003 as well. Um, my favorite era uh, in wrestling, uh, pretty much, and people have heard me uh, talk about that plenty on this very feed, uh, but mainly just hyped to record with uh, with Braden and Davey. That's going to be a, a lot of fun. Great to get an invite to the BDE. So uh, describe to their, subscribe to their Patreon uh, if you want to hear that. And other than that, go read Ian's stuff. Ian's the king. Great to have, uh, great to have you on, mate. Uh, massive fan of uh, thebackbodydrop.com and, uh, and your reviews on 411. So yeah, if you, if you don't follow Ian already, go follow him. Don't follow me. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that as well. Not about not following Benno, but following him on uh, on Twitter and uh, definitely <laughs> checking out his writing. Always been uh, brilliant reading those. As for me, uh, I've got some merch available on postwrestling.com. Brand new t-shirt uh, for the Bushby and Thompson Wrestling uh, Adventure. And uh, Christmas is coming up. Great gift. Uh, very much appreciate all those people who bought one so far. Uh, Benno, I'm sure you've been out and bought 10 already. Um, but <laughs> as for your feedback, uh, always uh, at forum.postwrestling.com. Any feedback uh, from this show or any of the other shows we've done. And of course, all roads lead to postwrestling.com. If you've not got too much fatigue from uh, the US election, then there's a cracking uh, podcast out there with Nate Milton and Brian Mann. Really enjoyed listening to that this week. And then, of course, all the usual stuff with... Uh, John and Way, and uh, for us, Wrestling Adventure is going to be back on the 26th of November, and Benno will be joining me and Andrew to talk uh, Ring of Honor's Manhattan Mayhem 2 show from 2007, so if you like Benno talking ROH uh, in the <laughs> next couple of weeks, you, you've got your fill there, but um, I mean, Benno, couldn't do Ring of Honor and not have you on there, I mean, I can't wait to chat this show, and especially that danielson Morishima match, uh, what a classic that is. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I've got great memories of that one. So looking forward to, to re-watching that and uh, being the uh, the ring of honor history board that I am, I'm sure I'll be uh, winding you to up with uh, plenty of uh, mid-2000s ROH stories. It was always my plan, Martin, when we first got onto live audio wrestling. We're going to do a ring of honor takeover one day and uh, this is my month. This is my time to shine. So yeah, hyped to do that one as well and to have a, a little look at, uh, at ring of honor in 2007. And yeah, great to be great to, uh, to get on with you and to, uh, to get on with Andrew again too. And uh, the British Wrestling Experience will be back on the 10th of December. I mean, December can't believe we're there already, but uh, there we go. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll catch you later. <laughs>